Welcome to the Good Times Are Killing Us podcast. This is Mark, and I am joined, as always, by K-Town. Canine parvovirus is an infectious viral infection that infects immunosuppressed, under-vaccinated, or dogs that are unvaccinated. Canine parvovirus is a small, single-strand, non-enveloped DNA virus that provincially infects rapidly dividing cells, bone marrow, gastrointestinal tract. Canine parvovirus can be life-threatening due to severe fluid losses, Electrolyte derangements secondary to anorexia, vomiting, and diarrhea. Is this a sponsor? <laughs> <laughs> and David. Yo, what's going on, everybody? And we are also joined by our very special guest, James D. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. James is like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> like, Sometimes I like to read random things oh. instead of uh, introducing myself. Today was canine parvovirus that I wrote up for my staff. And this is the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and this is the podcast where we explore the history, the good, the bad, and the ugly of our most controversial people, movements, and organizations in our modern world. We'll tell you the story and then we'll give you our take. And today we're talking about metalcore. You never said that this would be easy. Yes, baby. So this is another one that I think is a little bit more personal to the homies. We lived through it. We are here to talk about the history, the rise, the fall of metalcore. Yeah, we were actually there, y'all. Like, so this is a this is a personal episode. But no joke. This ain't no joke. Ain't nothing sweet about this episode. When, yeah. an, when anyone says we were there, that Team America song plays in my head. What would you do? <laughs> so this is really, this is effectively sort of the sequel to our series on like sort of post-grunge rock movements. First we did New Metal. That was like our second episode. About a year and some change ago, we did, we did Emo uh, once again with James D. And we are back here today to cover Metalcore, which is really kind of parallel to, to Emo, but also very much it's obviously its own thing. Yeah, and we're going to talk about how these things came together and kind of like were very separate. But before we talk about any of that stuff, I got to tell you to make sure you follow us on the Facebook at the Good Times for Killing This Podcast. On the Instagram at Good Times Killing Us Podcast, and on the Twitter at Good Underscore Times Underscore Dead. Got any heat for us, Town? Uh, no. All right. Well, we're moving on. Yeah. Don't forget to uh, rate and review us if you haven't already on Spotify or Apple uh, Podcast, and we will read your review right here on the air, baby. Yeah. Five stars only, please, you guys. And if you leave us a five star review, like he said, we'll read it right here on the air. And we got a brand new fucking review to read you guys i wait until the episode into the episodes to hear these for the first time so i'm very excited i need i need that like confidence boost in the middle of my week so when it hits i need to read it yeah this review comes to us from our boy ant with about nine a's okay and uh he he leaves a a fantastic five-star review with the subtitle it's good (laughs) <laughs> That's all we need, baby. Yeah. Okay. I'll take Stop. it. Say That's less. It. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. So from Ant, we got, I have no idea how I found this podcast. What did I search? <laughs> this is the only not, quote unquote, major podcast I listen to. And in the same way that I don't even know how I found it, I'm not sure why I like it so much. 
Where are you going with this one, Ant? <laughs> you know, I kind of love that. Like, honestly, like, I don't really listen to that many small-time podcasts myself. Most of the podcasts I listen to are pretty big, so it's kind of cool to know that, like, we're really in someone's rotation like that. And I'm assuming for a lot of our listeners, it's the same way. Yeah, back to the review, though. In the same way that I don't know how I found this podcast, I'm not even sure why I like it so much. I think part of it has to do with the laid-back approach and simply roundtabling a topic. And while they do provide great insight, you can tell they're also not trying to be the wokest kids on the block. It's a happy medium of everything. K-Town. Thanks for what you <laughs> whoa, do. Whoa, 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 <laughs> whoa. what you do. Yo, big shouts to our boy Ant. Thank you for that review, man. Like, it really means a lot. And uh, thank you, because I... I'm not sure what we're doing, but, uh... <laughs> Yo, in my defense, uh, the fucking Red Hot Chili Peppers had those lyrics, okay? I didn't do the... Real quick, I didn't do on. that. Before you incriminate yourself, <laughs> I did not use that. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> so... Everyone's like, what do you do? It's like, <laughs> about to hack Mark's computer just so they can cancel you, like... Finally. In this leaked file from Mark's computer. <laughs> no one's heard that, so we don't have to defend it. <laughs> so thank you, Ant, for that review. And if you want to hear your review right on the cast, leave us a five-star review or on Apple Podcasts. And if nothing else, leave us a five-star rating on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen, because I don't know how that shit works. Hell yes. Yeah. So let's go and get on into this. So again, like we said, metalcore is definitely a more personal subject for us because I think a lot of us are really into metalcore and kind of lived through, you know, went to shows that could be considered certainly metalcore shows. So it's going to be kind of hard to, for us to keep this brief, but let's briefly roundtable it out. Where are we coming from with metalcore? Like what what kind of got us into it? And, you know, what does are, it mean to are us? Are you into it? Uh, let's start with James. Let's start with our special guest, James. All right. So it was probably, it was a cold... November night, 2003. <laughs> nah, but uh, for real, I was I had an older brother who um, was into some of that stuff. Not so much like underground. Shout out T Crone, but he listened to like Hatebreed Thursday. So I picked up on Hatebreed Thursday and Slipknot. Uh, Slipknot was the biggest one, and then they reunited in 2003 because they had like a brief hiatus and they came back with Volume Three, Subliminal Verses. And they got put on all those tours, like their own. The first time I saw them was with Chimera and Fear Factory, which are both. Chimera definitely is metalcore, but uh, yeah, Fear yeah. Factory more like uh, industrial metal, whatever. But then they got on Ozfest 2004, and it was over because all the openers there. Uh, every time I die, bleeding through, God forbid, etc. So like you saw those bands and looked them up, and that was the beginning. Of the yeah, day. even before then. Like, I was hyped to see those bands because of the internet. I knew mm. who all was playing. I could look at the videos and all that. Right on, right on. Okay, K-Town, where, where were you coming in with Metalcore? Oh, honestly, I got introduced to Metalcore from a friend of the show, X Guido Gangbang X. <laughs> um, he really turned me on. At, at this point in my, like, I met Guido when I was, like, 14. So, like, I was just, like, fresh into high school. I was still listening to new Metal. You know, uh, Slipknot had just dropped uh, Volume 3, and, like, that was in, like, heavy rotation. And, like, FM 99, like, our local radio station started playing, like, Hatebreed. And I started getting really into Hatebreed. And then Guido came along with his swoop tear and his <laughs> snake bites and, like, opened me up to, like, all sorts of just weird, like, grindcore, metalcore shit. 
And it just kind of grew from there. So, like, for me, it was, uh, I, I, honestly, I never really, I, even doing research for this episode, I realized that Metalcore was never really that big of a thing to me. It was definitely a part of my life. But, you know, I was a, I was someone that got into, like, punk and then sort of hardcore from there. And because the Metalcore and hardcore scenes were so kind of connected, it was always something that was very parallel, like, with the hardcore scene. It was always something that, like, my friends played and stuff that I would hear at shows. And a lot of hardcore shows would have Metalcore bands. I would probably say, like, honestly, like... The earliest metalcore band I actually really got into, I guess, was the Dillinger Escape Plan. Like, James D., you put me onto them, like, in high school, and I thought they were dope. And then I kind of got, you know, into bands, like, Every Time I Die and and stuff like that. But honestly, uh, outside of, like, that that kind of um, mathy, kind of chaotic sound, like, you know, Converge is definitely a huge one for me as well. Outside of that area, I never really got super into metalcore, but again, it was something that was just constantly in my peripheral and I never really had a problem with it and you know so I mean it's it's cool but it, it wasn't out of all of you guys I think I'm probably coming in uh the softest with metalcore yeah I feel like you always had more hardcore I mean roots. you fronted a metalcore band well, that is the I, weird thing that is I the weird thing yeah. I think that's yeah. a, a big thing that brought pain in on like a lot of more metal metal type stuff because I remember like when you were getting into some of those bands and stuff and being like fuck yeah dude like I know like, your first metalcore show cool the band oh yeah <laughs> that was like my first show ever was like those local bands i mean yeah i guess we should maybe mention that you know all of us have played in bands together i mean macrocrest is a band we all played together that could be considered a metalcore band and definitely accident prone you know three of us are the original members if there's any accident prone fans out there shout out but like yeah technically i fronted a metalcore band but and that's what got me into metalcore more honestly yeah. it's kind of weird because i came from that again from a hardcore band for me man honestly uh I can take it back to our new metal episode. Like I was really tapped into new metal at the time. I was probably like in my like middle school time when new metal was at its height. And like we'll probably talk about towards like you know as I got a little bit older, I kind of was looking for something a little less like uh, cle like you know I don't know how to harder more something more heavier tough. something heavier and something a little cooler feeding your into your testosterone something less budding in your pube pre-pubescent body exactly like new metal was kind of less in vogue and we were looking for something a little different honestly i made the jump uh when i when i lived in san diego i met a friend and i made the jump straight from new metal right to death metal and like for a while i was listening listening to a lot of bands like fucking um like six feet under and nile and deicide and shit and i was like this is like where it's at like i was really into that type of guttural like fucking like death metal type shit and at the same time, bands like Norma Jean and I, my friend was also into Zayo and stuff were uh, were on that same palette. And uh, I didn't yeah. realize it at the time, but like that was a lot of stuff that would come later uh, that I was into. But I went for the ride, man. Like I was there for all that shit. Like in the early two thousands, the mid two thousands, like I was kind of big into a lot of that metalcore type stuff. <laughs> San Diego is a great place to be during all that. So. I was going to say, yeah, uh, one of the biggest things that really put me on the map when I was really switching over was uh, when I lived in San Diego. One of my first, like, kind of more metalcore shows was an, uh, Azalea Dying was shooting their video for Forever. And the bill was Azalea Dying headlining. And it was uh, Every Time I Die, The Black Dahlia Murder, and Scarlet. And, like, that show really fucking set me on a different trajectory as far as, like, the music I would be listening to for, like, the next 10, 
15 years. <laughs> hell yeah. The rest hell of my yeah. life, honestly. All right, so let's get on into it. So we're going to start off with kind of a list of, like, just kind of giving you the general idea of what metalcore is. Like, if you're listening to this and you've heard some of the bands we've listed, you might have a good idea. I mean, chances are if you listen to this episode, you probably already know what metalcore is. But if you don't, metalcore basically refers to a mixture of the genres of hardcore, punk, and metal. That's what metalcore is. Yeah. In the most a, base level. It's just a blending of genres. It was eventually going to happen. Yeah, so while... So like, like Benifer. Benifer? <laughs> yeah, Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez. Oh, yeah. It was eventually going to happen. I mean, basically, yeah. <laughs> it was going to happen. It had to happen, maybe. So, <laughs> while early metalcore bands introduced thrash riffs to the hardcore punk sound, later metalcore bands were known for introducing perhaps the genre's most notorious export, the breakdown. Now, now, for for someone who probably doesn't know what we're talking about, what do you mean by a breakdown in a song? It, it, someone would explain. I mean, a breakdown is basically like a slowed down heavy riff that is intended to incite a mosh pit. Yeah, incite violence is what I would probably <laughs> lean more towards. I've I've broken my arm twice in a mosh pit. I've broken somebody's like top line of their teeth with braces on. I've split lips. I've been knocked out. Yeah, the breakdown. Like, the breakdown is where it gets real. The breakdown is what you're, what you came for. I watched. I watched people in a garage throw hammers and fluorescent light bulbs at each other, and then beat a man within an inch of his life. I think honestly, <laughs> Jesus Christ, all the breakdowns. But I think the breakdown and like mosh pits are basically what kind of the style of moshing and like the kind of intentional use of breakdowns is what kind of separates. I think metalcore from. Just straight up metal. That is what metal yeah. core. That's where the core comes in with metal core. In my eyes, I, I used to always think that uh, core meant breakdowns. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, that's what it means now. <laughs> yeah. Like. yeah. So metal core bands also incorporate mixtures of screaming and singing vocals, with most with most bands leaning more one way or the other, and more kind of to the latter nowadays, for sure. Yeah. It's just, it's, I mean, to a lot of people, this is just screamo. We're talking about screamo music. I think <laughs> when, when, yeah, when you say metalcore, like, that's what I was thinking of. I'm thinking of, like, yeah. you know, we'll get into all the bands and stuff, but I'm thinking of screamo, basically. That's yeah, the 35-year-old the at your work that knows just enough is like, oh, that's screamo. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, and and then, you just roll your eyes and you're like, yeah, yeah. But yeah, then sure. you got the screamo elitist. You're like, that's not screamo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah like screamo Who's is... also 35 and probably works at like a kitchen job. Yeah, like screamo, I guess, is its own genre or whatever. But like, whatever. Um, so while the metalcore sound has its roots in the streets and clubs of the early hardcore scene in the 1980s, it was really catapulted to mainstream, like hot topic level popularity in the late 2000s. And that's probably where... A a lot of people that are listening right now even got into it yeah but we're gonna get there trust me yeah. guys we're gonna get there let's talk about where this came from okay when we talk about metalcore depending on where you're at in your age some people might like me automatically think of bands like attack attack or asking alexandria bring me the horizon that like warp tour version of metalcore 
But some people, uh, such as uh, like the great Finn McKenty, <laughs> uh, <laughs> might think of bands like, you know, that were originally blending that style of hardcore and metal, like Marauder or Ringworm. Or like Earth Crisis and Earth shit Crisis, like that, exactly. for sure. Firestorm! And so I think what our <laughs> job to do in this episode is find out how we got from Earth Crisis to design the skyline. Yeah, and I think, I mean, <laughs> a part of why maybe it's even, like, worth mentioning all of us, like, where we came from is because, yeah, we're about to kind of get into the OG, like, metalcore scene in, like, the 80s and especially the 90s. It's worth saying, we weren't there. We're just too young. We weren't really there. there. <laughs> yeah. I'm we, old. Uh, we, I swear. I, I idolize a lot of that shit, but, like, I won't date it. Yeah, it was really cool, but we weren't there, so when we kind of try to paint a picture of that, it's not really going to be from experience. But on the other hand, most of the topics we talk about on this podcast... We weren't there either. So. Yeah, exactly. All right, so let's get into some of the proto-metalcore of the 1980s. So while the metal scene was fairly distinct from the hardcore punk scene during the early days in the 70s and 80s, there's a good deal of musical cross-pollination between the genres, with bands like Corrosion of Conformity, DRI, and Suicidal Tendencies all incorporating thrash metal sensibilities into bands otherwise associated with the early hardcore punk scene, leading them to be labeled as the first crossover band. Yo. Yo, real quick, um, do you think, like, Suicidal Tendencies lost a bunch of punk cred because they were doing, like, shouts out to Pepsi in their song? <laughs> I never thought of that song. No, they will take it as an anti-Coke song, also a corporation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, okay, exactly. there we go, there we go. Yeah, yeah. I think that, that was just them being relatable. We're just some dudes drinking Pepsi, you know. But, but yeah, th- these crossover bands were really unique at the time because fucking... This these scenes did not mix. They were two yeah. totally polar opposite. It's it, I mean if you're not if you're not tapped into like mu- like heavy music and and like metal or punk at all, like it might seem weird cuz you see that and you see all the same thing, but like these were two different breeds of people. Yeah, I feel like like when you're we're thinking about the 70s and 80s like metalheads, we're thinking about like beer drinking, denim vest wearing, like oh, fuck yeah, dude, you know yeah. that type of guy. Or, whereas or like glam metal. Yeah. Whereas like an early like punk dude is like got their like if they're if they don't have a mohawk, their heads just shaved. You know, they're just they're like fuck hippies. They you know they're just angry kind of like urban kids. They're it's a kind of a different brand of kid. Yeah. Not in, not so much into the theatrics, the punk uh, hardcore side. Yeah. Whereas yeah. the metal people were much more into like the fucking look. You had hip hop groups like tapping into that, but at the same time, the people who knew the hip hop groups didn't. They didn't remember who was who. Like who? Yeah. Would... Yeah. There was just that that th- that metal shit. Or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> For sure. But yeah, basically, like crossover is kind of the the first like seed the first infancy of what would later become metalcore because it is referring to a crossover with metal and hardcore punk so in the mid 80s many new york hardcore bands like the crow mags agnostic front warzone and sod start to incorporate a more heavier thrashier riff style into their otherwise punk sound so these are like more like legit vetted hardcore punk bands that are starting to kind of adopt just a little bit of that thrashier metal sound It's all in the wrists, you know what I'm saying? We're playing, we're playing punk speeds, like punk intensity, but with like 
more metally riffs, more of that thrashy circle pit, you know, fucking. And I think it's interesting because, like, when you listen to those types of bands, it just kind of sounds a lot like the template of what a lot of hardcore would become for like the next. I mean, from there to today, it just was the New York hardcore style was just very much influenced by a sort of harder, like, kind of riffier style, like, variant of the original punk rock sound. Yeah. So, yeah, and also I think it's worth mentioning. I think this is where – this is just my idea again. We weren't there, but I feel like this is where, like, your old-school punk mosh pit was getting a little bit harder. So, like, like an old-school an old school punk mosh pit was what? Like, circle pits and stuff? Like, and and at this point where we're, we're, we're starting to fucking – running side to side run into the walls of yeah, the people who little, were like forming the circle before <laughs> exactly like bystanders killing. might get punched yeah we're doing some crowd killing we're just letting out some aggression that same metal just like fat dudes in the pit but like now we're swinging <laughs> now we're literally swinging on you yeah you gotta make it like hardcore you know that you know you gotta like earn the name so some of the tropes of this early scene again uh, being from the fucking streets, I don't think it can be like overstated <laughs> that like these sort of like early New York hardcore bands are adopting this style. These are like street tough dudes. We are broke and yeah. we are pissed. <laughs> Standing outside the bodega, chatting up some honeys in your new bandana, ready to fucking rob the next fucking new jack that walked by you. <laughs> CBGB. Yeah, this is a very urban kind of, but still like. I don't know, man. Like, oh, where I was raised, my mom got addicted to crack. My dad was selling heroin. I was left at the orphanage. I crawled out, came to a punk show, saw a guy get his fucking teeth knocked out, and I was like, this is it, brother. I'm Every time I walk in, out of my fucking apartment into the fucking hallway, there's some fucking crackhead in the floor shooting that shit into the veins, and I gotta fucking step over it. And I'm fucking sick of it. It's crazy, too, because you can see a lot of parallels between this style of, like, hardcore and uh, what was becoming metalcore. And even like some hip hop too, like you know, yeah. at the time, like this was like yeah, gangster rap, yeah, like, yeah. Straight this up, was very much like you could have went either way, depending yeah. on you know what you were into sonically. Yeah, I mean New York in the fucking late '80s, baby. Like that's just what it is, and that's I think that's definitely a major percolation chamber of some of that early shit. Uh, but also some some trends of this genre were definitely the incorporation of double bass with bands. I mean that's yeah. like a major metalcore staple, and it kind of began here. Yeah, along with the riffs, we also got that double bass. That's like kind of what really sold me from moving from like new metal stuff to like more like heavier stuff. Like the the incorporation of double bass was just like. It's like, this is different. Yeah, and, and, and I mean, you know, Metallica and Slayer did that type of stuff, but this is when it's being used with, like, hardcore bands. Yeah. yeah. I, I think the first thing I think of Double Bass is Slayer, but then I think of Agnostic Front and them being a hardcore band and having that Double Bass just set them apart from everything else that was happening. Yeah, so, I mean, that's inevitably just going to make punk rock hardcore sound harder so some early trends at this time uh, some other trends were definitely like straight edge was really kind of catching on yeah. um I, I mean this is kind of like on the precipice of what would become the kind of youth crew movement which was a little bit separate from that but straight edge was definitely a big thing with a lot of these early dudes and heroin <laughs> yeah yeah and that's because of all the heroin i mean that's that's why that was uh but along with that also in the 1980s was oddly a sort of uh, harvey krishna vibe especially with bands like the crow mags like harvey krishna was a whole thing see this i did not know like, I didn't know there was a bunch of Hare Krishna go shit going on with, like, the early, like, metal shit. Yeah, yeah. that's why they eventually, uh, the singer stabbed the drummer was because they were fighting over Buddhist beef. <laughs> Some Cro-Mag shit, yeah. <laughs> that yeah. is wild. To be honest, when I think Hare Krishna, I think of a band called 108. 
but I don't know why. It's just like <laughs> they were a metalcore band in the '90s, and that's just what I relate Hari Krishna to. But I don't know anything about it. It's Wasn't that... the lead singer of like Youth of Today? Didn't he become like a monk or something like that? I don't know if it was a Hari Krishna thing, but yeah, he did. Like I think he moved to Tibet, became a whole uh, like a whole ass monk and everything. Yeah, yeah. So there is something there. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it was just kind but... of something again. You know, something that was percolating in the kind of New York scene. You know, the straight edge thing, Hari Krishna. Obviously, straight edge that thing didn't. I mean, that came from like. Guess DC or whatever with minor threat, but like, you know, like there's a little bit of that idealism that becomes even more prominent in the 90s. So the early 90s saw the further development of a metallic hardcore sound distinct from the thrash crossover sound with bands like Overcast, Bloodlet, Turmoil, Marauder, Integrity, Zeo, Converge, Hatebreed, Disembodied, and Earth Crisis, contributing to something closer to what we would now consider metalcore. This stuff was moving a little further away from the punk and hardcore stuff and incorporating a little bit more metal, a little more experimental type sounds and stuff. But a lot of these bands, like we just mentioned, were still playing those shows with a lot of those punk and hardcore bands. So, like, we're really beginning to cross over a little bit now. Even though maybe a lot of these guys who are into, like, the more punk and hardcore stuff would have considered this shit a little bit weird and not their bag. It was spreading a little bit in the early nineties. Dude, where... I would I would say if you want a perfect picture of this, look up the video uh, "Punishment" by Biohazard on YouTube. <laughs> this is and like we... that is what we're talking about, like street metalcore. Like we're that talking is, about like... a bunch of dudes in fucking bandanas with maybe nipple rings and they're nipple just rings holding pit bulls <laughs> on yeah. like fucking chains. And they're from New York and they're screaming at you, yeah. bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, and dude, some, I mean, these are the bands I feel like the, this is like where you really start. To, I mean, yeah, like you said, this is still firmly entrenched within the hardcore scene, but this is like doing metal for sort of metal, metal sake. And I mean, for me, off of that list alone, like Integrity and Converge are two of my like all time favorite hardcore bands ever. Yeah, yeah, I definitely Converge and Zayo really is one of those bands that really, I mean, still love that band to this day, but that was a band that really moved me. Um, away from some of the shit I was listening to at the time, and it was like, holy shit, this is the type of shit I'd never heard. Every, I mean, and this is yeah. way after the fact. This wasn't in the like the '90s when I was listening to Zayo, but still, like, it impacted me pretty hard when I first heard that type of shit. Every time I listen to Integrity, like on the way to work, I want to drive. I want to rear end a cop car. <laughs> yeah, because like there's that evil vibe yeah, to Integrity, dude, dude. So fucking good. If you put me like in the '90s and I listen to all the albums by all these people, I would never guess that Hatebreed would be the one to make break through. Yeah, yeah, be the yeah. Big that band. is that Jamie Josta, baby. I yeah. think that's all Jamie Josta just being sort of like a hustler. For those of you who don't know, Jamie Josta is the singer of Hatebreed, and we'll get to it later. But I think a, a big like uh, fundamental figure in sort of the popularization of metalcore overall, and, and it yeah. getting more mainstream. He he definitely has that stuff. Like he's got the ability to do like the Hollywood esque like yeah. interviews yeah. and like merch hustling and shit like that. Like he he is definitely like got it. Dude, yeah, but if you watch those old Hatebreed videos, they were just like a hard ass hardcore band yeah. playing small ass <laughs> clubs. I mean, they're still. I mean, I mean, I don't know if we're, we're spilling too much on Hatebreed right now, but Hatebreed is nowadays kind of known as. It's almost like uh, you know, almost like like 
I could see someone getting into five finger death punch and then getting a little bit deeper and hate breed isn't too far from Hate breed is like the logical next step after five finger death punch. And then, but they also had they're headlining this is hardcore this year. Exactly. Like oh, they're yeah. fir- again wow. firmly yeah, yeah. entrenched in like the actual hardcore. And then season. selling yeah. out like literally like hundred thousand people arenas in South America. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's not saying any disrespect to hate breed, but like fucking just that they're the band that is like super big that somehow can be the delegation for even still to for these like different genres like yeah. metallica yeah out of all these bands yeah. they're definitely the one that kind of like blew up the most i mean i saw a video the other day with uh jamie josto and he's wearing like uh it's a hate breed show and he's wearing a black dahlia murder shirt hmm. i'm like shit yeah, yeah. he's just putting on he's yeah, putting he on for metal in on. general yeah. yeah yeah um so the mid-90s also saw more experimental metalcore bands such as dead guy botch coalesce jesuit and the dillinger escape plan pioneering a sound that would go on to be described by many as mathcore so again these are like bands from the hardcore scene that are just really kind of going a little bit more on the experimental level like i mean we listen i mean integrity zeo converge definitely kind of on that on that same level but i think these bands were like the art element of it was I think more you know elemental to what they were yeah this this is the style that got me into this like Definitely. I mean, same, yeah. Like the one band that I took away from Ozfest was Every Time I Die, and they were like barely pinching the surface of this style of metalcore. But mm-hmm. I mean, they were, but especially in the early things, but nothing like Dillinger Escape Plan. Yeah, yeah. like James said, these bands, uh, like that was a style that kind of also got me into the, uh, a lot of metalcore. But like. A lot of those bands, other than maybe Dillinger, like Dead Guy and Botch, Coalesce, I didn't get into those bands until way later after I'd been listening to, like, clones of those bands. And then, yeah, exactly. Same, you know? same. Yeah, for sure. Like, I mean, like I was kind of saying before, like, when I got into our band, Accident Prone, that's when I started to get into more of this stuff. And that's when I, well, yeah, like, got put on to bands like Dead Guy, Botch. I remember, like, all of, like, the kind of, like, older 90s dudes within this scene would always be like, oh, yeah, man, you guys kind of remind me of this band <laughs> called Dead Guy. And I'd be like, uh, who? And they'd be like, oh, you don't know fucking... <laughs> they always said Botch. Yeah, always Botch and that's Dead Guy. <laughs> yeah, that's Yeah, all, dude, all the time for Action Prom was like, yeah, you sound like Botch. That's, that's like, they're, like, I recognize your sound, and I know, like, a kind of cool, obscure band. <laughs> Uh, also, shout out to uh, Scarlet and Spitfire, also pretty big uh, bands from this era, from Richmond and Virginia Beach, respectively. Hey, home Jesuit here, also from uh, VB Norfolk. Yeah, true. I mean, Jesuit had, like, uh, uh, Nate Newton, who later went on to play in Converge. It had, like, a temporary guitarist with the Dillinger Escape Plan. I mean, a pretty notable band for this early scene, and yeah, right here from VB, yeah. baby. Yeah. So, some of the major tropes of this time period were definitely, like, on one side, there's, we're still pretty street, with bands like Haybreed and Marauder just being, like kind of co-opting that sort of New York hardcore aesthetic. Yeah, definitely still some of, still a lot of tough guy shit going on in there, but, like, it, it's getting a little different now. We're getting some more, like, of a... Ah, uh, shit, what would we call that, like, that style, that botchy, like, Norma Genie style, where it's, like, the screechy guitar Yeah, And, like, a lot more of the... <laughs> a lot more of the, like... 
I don't know, some of these acts got a little crazy with their stage presence as far as, like, just, like, wilding out on stage, writhing yeah. around and, and all. I mean, I feel like I've seen, like, some 90s hardcore videos where shit is just popping off, dude. <laughs> like, it looks so dangerous. I mean, yeah, between, like, a tough guy show, like, yeah, like, Hatebreed Marauder or even sort of, like, Madball to some degree, and it's more on the hardcore side, but whatever. And then, yeah, like, like we were saying, bands like Converge or Botch, yeah, like, people writhing around on the floor. Yeah, and, just, you know. just, just lose your fucking shit on stage and like a lot of these things you see like moving away from that kind of like punk and hardcore thing and a little bit into the shit that we kind of recognize you now. start to see i think the real like split going on right here yeah. it's all happening within the hardcore scene but yeah there's definitely a sort of a split away from the sort of traditional hardcore sound but also something that i also put under tropes here was just this particular crunchy thrash production of a lot of these early bands like it sounded not like you know not nearly as polished as a lot of stuff today obviously but like there was just this crunchiness you know what i mean those mm -hmm. 90s recordings i kind of know what you mean like there's that rawness to the to the guitar tone and like even to the drums and stuff but like this raw heaviness that kind of uh that's kind of the shit that i really like loved later i mean i heard I'd, a lot of the more produced shit later but, i mean like, dude i'll be honest with you man like if i'm hearing heavy shit like i don't want it to sound clean <laughs> like at all i want it to sound fucking shitty just mm -hmm. rough around the yeah edges, i want yeah. it to feel rough like the shit they're trying to put out you know what i mean like and I, I think that's what made this shit like definitely distinct from like regular metal or whatever it's like oh this is like yeah. this is i want it to sound like somebody uploaded it recording from a cd on their phone and put it on youtube like that's what i want that's that's the level of studio i want in that shit And, like, this is that weird spot, too, where, like, we're away from metal, which is very, uh, uh, very technical and very precise, and this is where shit was getting a little loose. Yeah. But you'll see it come back around later on, we'll get to in the metalcore days, where we're back to being very tight and technical and, like, leaving less room for error. I think the big that, thing like, with metal, though, is, like, for a while there, like, yeah, it was technical, but it was just, like, solos and, like, solos are that's cool. fucking technical. They're, they're, they're technical and cool but like that's not like i i i've never like felt in my soul get stoked for like someone doing a solo i've ne like when i hear like technical shit from like dillinger and shit like i get, i'm like i'm feeling that shit in my chest like i feel like i gotta fucking move and punch something i'm gonna say that i don't get that same level from like metal at that time like I they don't you. have that shit i definitely feel and i might disagree with the solo thing but i think that right there what you said is so key to like what puts people off or or on to like this style of music because at some point we're gonna fucking let those solos completely go like with metalcore yeah. is not about like guitar solos and shit and right? I, I get that because it's kind of like there's a sort of like rock star mentality that goes with having like some super indulgent solo in every song so like yeah if you want to get into something that's like heavy but isn't all kind of on that corny rock star shit this is definitely a direction you could go towards um, but one more trope I gotta mention, and again, I don't know if y'all are gonna really get this one, but this is something I really noticed with a lot of 90s uh, hardcore shit, especially some of the more experimental stuff, 
is they started to kind of get into clean vocal territory, and man, those clean vocals sound like shit a lot of the times. <laughs> They're like layered, like like one, like two or three layers of clean vocals, so it just kind of makes it this sort of like just kind of blob of like, sound. Yeah, this is listenable, right? This sounds like I'm singing, right? Like, yeah, dude. Like you mentioned like early Converge it was definitely yeah, an example of that. Yeah. And there's there's definitely some other bands in there as well. But some of the major trends of the 90s uh, metalcore uh, era were like a, a real rise in those idealistic values. Like that was something I think was really, you know, core to it being uh, hardcore. And this is when like veganism, for example, really got, got caught on, especially with Earth Crisis. Earth Crisis was like the OG militant vegan straight edge they, they're The song Firestorm is literally about purifying the earth of like <laughs> purifying the earth of like drug addicts and meat eaters like dude i feel like when i was kind of getting into hardcore in like the 2000s it was such a th- i mean for all of us it was such a thing for like bands to either just full-on do that firestorm intro or just do it the intro or do just it during intro, like yeah. you know during like yeah no dude when i, remember, when I first heard the rest of firestorm i was like oh yeah this is like a whole fucking song like, <laughs> Dude, it's funny when um I was you know I was I was thinking about like Earth Crisis like place in like the whole like early metalcore days and I was at my barbershop shout out to uh Lionhead Barbershop and I was talking to some of the uh the dudes there who like I'm not gonna give their names or whatever but like you know they're they're like dudes that kind of grew up in this era and I was like yeah I imagine Earth Crisis must have been like you know they they were metal they had like metal riffs but because they were vegan and straight edge like metalheads weren't into them and the hardcore scene liked them and they're like no nah, it was nothing like that like basically like earth crisis because they were on this vegan shit like people would harass them at hardcore shows metalheads were apparently just like yeah cool riffs but hardcore kids would like throw like milk at them and like burgers and just give them all that shit because this is the early 90s no one's ever heard of veganism i know fucking kids yeah, so I mean, I, apparently they really had to like scratch and claw every step of the way. Damn, that yeah. fucking sucks. Like, yeah. do you imagine just getting hit with a fucking cheeseburger like while you're playing Firestorm? <laughs> Even if you're not fucking vegan, that sucks. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. The mustard's all over you. But yeah, I mean, definitely, like we kind of already mentioned, along with veganism, definitely straight edge is is like a whole ass vibe during this era. A lot of these bands were either straight edge bands or had straight edge members. Dude, I was straight edge for like a whole year. <laughs> uh, hold on. Yeah, when I was 17, when it really meant something, you uh, know. Before you could get a tat. Yeah, before, yeah thank God, Jesus. Oh, yeah, you Christ. almost got a straight edge. Yeah, tattoo. I was like, dude, when I turn 18, I'm gonna get a straight edge tat. And then I was like, I turned yeah. 18, and I was like, oh, I like Mad Dog 2020. Dude, I remember being at your apartment, watching you play Metal Gear Solid 3, chugging monsters that we stole, and you just being like, yeah, I'm gonna get this fucking straight edge tat. And we're, we're yeah. all like, yeah, it's fucking sick. I'm so glad that that didn't yeah. happen. Yeah, yeah, thank God, dude. Um, but uh, on the idealistic values tip, this is definitely where the Christianity side of metalcore really started to take effect. Like, Zayo is the main band that comes to mind, but like, man, I, apparently there were a lot of... Yeah. Uh, Bloody Sunday. There were a whole, little bit later, but yeah. Whole record labels. Yeah. God forbid. Into it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think God forbid. Wait, really? But- I'm thinking of another band maybe then, or... Oh, I just remember God forbid no, did that, no. like, um, um, Afghanistan music video, like that... Y'all ever seen that one? It's like, this is the ode to the <laughs> fallen heroes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, a, a it's just band. like a bunch of dudes in like, like Afghanistan getting shot at. <laughs> 
Yeah, man. I, apparently, yeah, there were a lot of Christian bands in this kind of early scene. I was I was just listening to a few podcasts of like old '90s dudes, and it was like all just dudes that were talking about all the Christian shit that was out at this time. And I don't feel like a lot of those bands really apparently got super big in terms of like relevancy nowadays. But I mean, I mean, Zayo is the only one that really comes to mind when I think of that. But apparently, Christianity was a major key element of like that '90s hardcore movement. Yeah, I believe Under Oath started in the '90s, and they started yeah. as yeah. Christian. I think. Norma Jean, maybe? Yeah, they were Christian. Yeah, Christian? They, yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah, started they back were, then yeah. as ludicrous. As ludicrous, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So this was like right around that exact same time. Yeah, just like right before that really kicked off. It was all the Jinjin Wee uh, metalcore. Yeah. Jinjin <laughs> Wee. So, so be- <laughs> before we get into like the next phase of what metalcore has become, I got to give an honorable mention to the year of our Lord, 1999, where a lot of these style of bands and artists that we were just talking about started dropping a lot of these great albums that kind of start to, to solidify this kind of like metalcore sound that we're going to be talking about like and i'm um, big shouts to like poison the well who dropped opposite of december in 99 under oath like we were just saying with act of depression an album that probably a lot of people who recognize that name don't know those first couple albums by under oath but uh also botch we are romans another huge band that uh, was super influential to this style that like like i said i probably didn't get into till like way after the fact but uh zeo's liberate uh tax and furries and uh hopes fall frailty of words you were you were like what 29 at this time <laughs> <laughs> whatever <laughs> yeah so i mean i feel like i mean perfect in 99 right because like all those bands that we were just talking about from like the early 90s that that sort of sound that we we're talking about that kind of diverges a little bit more from like being straight up hardcore, I think is really like those bands really kind of embody that transition, you yeah. know, where it kind of, again, is just taking a step towards something a little bit bigger. Yeah. This is definitely not the stuff that it, it was birthed from anymore. Also calculating infinity was released in 99. Oh shit. Ooh, yeah. I, yeah, I, I, I left that out. Yeah. Calculating infinity the as Winter's well. Yeah. Plan, for sure. Huge. Okay. This is a nice little spot to take a break before we get into the next iteration of metalcore, because when we come back, Things are going to start getting a little bit weird. Yeah, this is where we come in. (laughs) If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First of all, love, it's bloody free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Oh, you can make money from doing your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place, mate. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Oh, have that one. Michael Kane. All right, and we're back. Okay. So, I mean, does that wrap up about most of the proto stuff? Like, can yeah, we I mean, get into the real shit now? Obviously, there's like a thousand other bands that we could list. And I know that like to a lot of people that 90s hardcore or that 90s metalcore is what metalcore is to them. But I mean, yeah, what we're about to get into is where I think all of us really come in is like these are the bands that we really got into. And this is this is the time period that we were, you know, old enough to really this get into This was our youth. Shit. Yeah, so the early 2000s saw the first signs of mainstream success for metalcore, with bands like Converge, Zayo, and especially Hatebreed growing audience beyond the hardcore scene.
along a whole host of new bands incorporating a sort of melodic death metal sound that started to gain much greater popularity such as As They Lay Dying, Kill Switch Engage, Shadows Fall, Atreyu, Avenged Sevenfold, All That Remains, Bullet For My Valentine, At The Gates, Trivium, etc, etc, etc. Yeah, all these bands like kind of got, and a lot, I mean some of these bands even got radio play, but like all these bands moved a little bit out of the obscurity of like the hardcore punk scene and kind of more into the more polished kind of produced metal sound and like, like I said, some of them were playing big shows and even got radio play. Yeah, I was told that, like, Atreyu, for example, is a band that, like, apparently they didn't really come from the hardcore scene at all. They were just kind of like this rock band kind of doing, like, their kind of metal sound. But they were, like, I think they were put on, I don't know if it was Victory Records. It was, like, some yeah. some label that... Uh, victory, definitely Victory. It, it, it probably was. But it was some label that, like, Jamie Josta was big on at the time. But he, like, put their first record out on, like, a smaller, like, hardcore label just to kind of give them clout and then <laughs> put them on to Victory Records or whatever it was. And apparently that happened with quite a few bands around this era yeah and atreyu even from the beginning like they i don't know i i don't think they really have any hardcore elements necessarily like i was texting you pain er, uh, earlier this week i was like i re-listened to the first atreyu record and there were no circle pit parts <laughs> yeah like it was all like screaming and then they did they introduce the drummer singer well if you'd ask uh that one singer from atreyu i think recently he had said that like he and they invented metalcore <laughs> it's easy to say when you just don't know what happened beforehand like clearly they were if, just <laughs> well if say he could actually sing i mean he was on key he was the drummer he's now the front man at this point but was were there any other bands before them like doing the clean vocal thing for real uh who was doing that type of stuff honestly um I'm not sure. At this time, there were there were a few bands like uh, maybe like from Modern to Ashes. I remember around this time, or 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 even Under Oath by this time in the game. Under Oath was kind of doing the like mm-hmm. singing, screaming, the clean and dirty vocals thing. But like this was becoming more of a uh, uh, a common thing in this style of music. Mm-hmm. Like this is kind of where I came in. Like right in, around this time in the early 2000s. Yeah, I mean, I feel like in this era, you're starting to get more, like, kids that probably didn't really come from, like, a punk or hardcore scene. You're getting kids that just kind of had, like, were listening to, like, cool metal or whatever, and, and probably emo even a little bit at this time period. And they're just, like, a garage rock band who just kind of, like, okay, like, I mean, look at all the, like, gr- like those types of smaller bands even in our area. What shows do they end up having to play? Like, hardcore and punk shows. So it kind of makes sense that that would be, like, their avenue to something that is really not really their lane but, like, just close enough that, like, you know, you could put an Atreyu on Victory Records and people that are also listening to Has Lay Die and Kill Switch Engage are going to fuck with it at that point. Yeah, that's that's kind of like you said, like, exactly where I came. I had no punk hardcore background and, like, Atreyu, Lay Dying, these are some of the bands that kind of, like, put me into this lane, definitely. 
Yeah. So one of the most seminal touch points in the growing popularity of metalcore was the New England Metal and Hardcore Fest alongside Hellfest in Syracuse, New York. DVDs for Hellfest would go on to put countless bands on the map for a lot of people. And here's just a list of metalcore and hardcore uh, adjacent bands that played Hellfest 2003. So we got Alexis is on Fire, Has LA Dying, Biohazard, Bleeding Through, Comeback Kid, Darkest Hour, Daughters, Dead to Fall, The Dillinger Escape Plan, Ed Gein, Evergreen Terrace, Every Time I Die, First Blood, From Autumn to Ashes, Hopes Fall, In Flames, Lamb of God, Norma Jean, Scarlet, Shahulud, Terror of the Red Cord, and Underworld. So, like, just right then and there. Yeah, I don't think it, like, I can't overstate how influential this, this particular Hellfest 03 DVD was to me. It put me onto so yeah. many bands. I was already, like, circling the edges of this type of stuff, but, like, DVDs like this and videos that I would download on like fucking Kazaa or LimeWire. Dude, shout out to Free Zone, Havoc Music. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, Legitimately. Music straight choice. up, I think I downloaded yeah. that one Converge set that was from like a, the a New England Metal and Hardcore Fest uh, from like Kazaa or some shit and watched that for the st- first time that way and like um, put me onto so many things, dude. Like. Yeah, I mean, Hellfest did it for me. I mean, like, the local record store at the time was Relative Theory, right behind the Norva, who was hosting all sorts of metalcore shows. Yeah. And um, I picked up the Hellfest DVD because, I, oh, hell, fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hell, and, I'm in. I mean, the first song, the first video on the DVD is the Red Core Dreaming in Dog Years. So, dude, what a fucking There you banger, go, dude. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think at this point, like, I mean, even when you look at, like, especially, like, Hellfest, it still looks a lot like a hardcore show at the end of the day, you know? I think it was still very much kind of in the hardcore scene, but I think the the look of that, the production of that festival, when you watch those DVDs, like, that's that's the beginning of a whole new level. So, shout out to some of the labels that really thrived in this time period, like Trust Kill, Victory, Tooth and Nail, Face Down, Ferret Records, to name a few. Yeah. yeah, yeah, huge labels that like. Also around this time too, like you would go to a show, and uh, at one of these shows that would have a bunch of these bands on the bill, and fucking, even if you you go to the merch table, and even if you didn't have a bunch of money, like they would give you this like sampler CD that yeah. would put you onto a ton of other bands on that label, and so I, I remember being just thrust into a new world around this time where I was like, holy shit, music can be like some shit that I never really thought of, and like. A lot of these, like, DVDs and fucking uh, sample CDs and shit at the time were the things that were, like, catapulting me into this, like, lane. Yeah, and Trustkill, like, they had a website. I, I mean, it was part of Trustkill.com, but it was Trustkill Shows. Yeah, Trustkill Shows. You, you could, like, search Norfolk, Virginia and find local shows. Like, you could post your own there. Yeah. That's honestly like, I mean, especially the time period, that's some early internet hustle shit Mm -hmm. to really be able to put something like that together. But I mean, that's the type of thing it takes. I mean, I think the internet, I mean, even y'all just said like a lot of the ways you were able to be put onto a lot of stuff was through the internet as well. And I think that is a big reason for like why you're getting so many underground bands that like are more accessible than ever. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'd say like half these bands would not have the following they have or the status that they have if it wasn't for like the internet like 
these are like Midwest, like West Coast people. Like, there's no way like before that would have gotten over to the East Coast like it did through the mm-hmm. internet. Like, so with that, we gotta give a shout out real quick. I, I just meant, I just realized we talked about this earlier, but it's no one the outline. This is MySpace era, baby. Yeah, I was about to say, <laughs> this is huge MySpace shit. Like you just said, K-Town, a lot of these bands, even though like we track the roots from the punk and hardcore scene, the punk and hardcore scene was very DIY. At this point, we're kind of branching into this like MySpace internet, purevolume.com mm, yeah. type shit, where like we can share this music on a level so much faster than we were doing before back in the 80s and early yeah. 90s. And it was fucking spreading like wildfire. Like people were catching, it was catching on. Before it was literally snail mail, like on the back of CDs or vinyl, yeah. like you would have the record label's address. You could write them <laughs> if you wanted to. Now you could comment on their profile. Yeah. Yeah. You just like send something to like their mom's house, basically. <laughs> like, but yeah, at this point now they have like a P.O. box, yeah. you know. Um, but yeah, so, so shout out to some of the big tours at this time period, like A Taste of Chaos, Sounds of the Underground, uh, Ozfest. And also this is when Warp Tour first really started to, you know, kick off. Yeah, Warp Tour was doing a lot of more like punk and ska shit before this point, but at a certain point, where we're about to get into soon, Warp Tour became this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Warp Tour was kind of founded as a sort of punk festival, but from the very beginning, it all—I mean, even like Integrity and like Hatebreed played early Warp Tour. I mean, from the very beginning, they kind of invited in a little bit of that metalcore sound. But yeah, I mean, as we get into a little bit later, Warp Tour would eventually become engulfed with this shit. So, what are some of the tropes of this specific genre or this specific uh, iteration of metalcore that we're talking about right here? Uh, I mean, good cop, bad cop vocals. <laughs> like, I don't know how to dis- explain it except for like doing like. It's already hard enough to say Or completely separate because we would have like two singers at this point, so somebody would be doing like the kind of like twink. I'm drowning in my sleep. I'm drowning. And then you get a screamer or a deep guttural over the top of that. Yeah, so it was like you got to play a little bit of both sides, so you always come out on top. (laughs) How many? Pretty pretty much, you got you got bitches, bro. I think honestly, I do think that like this particular iteration or this time period, there were a lot of bands that definitely appealed more to women. I think a lot of the '90s hardcore stuff, there's definitely women that were going to those shows, but I don't think they were really like inviting towards women. I mean, with the good cop, bad cop vocals, like having two vocalists, like there were sometimes clean and then a heavy vocalist, but sometimes they would just have the drummer do clean vocals. I mean, that was a big thing. Big mm-hmm. shouts to like uh, beloved or um, under oath, under oath, yeah. from autumn to ashes, from autumn to ashes, Atreyu. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So much of this, like, that's kind of where it started. Where before your your uh your dirty vocalist or your clean vocalist was just like wandering around on stage, they were playing drums. Damn. Yeah. So <laughs> imagine how hard it was to find a drummer back then, because it's like it's hard to just find someone that drums now. Yeah. Period. Now you got to find a drummer slash singer who can fucking sing. Like, just, the most, just the most talented croon. dude in the yeah. community is yeah. your drummer, like basically. But also, I mean, the weird thing about this period and watching videos from this time period is like. This is when you really start to see the birth of the modern metalcore movement, but you still have those traces of old school hardcore, like pylons, everybody's fucking straight edge still. Everyone. Yeah, like, I mean, everyone's fake edge, too. Like, yeah. this is when that really became... I think that's right. when the word straight edge really even got introduced into the lexicon of, like, regular people. Yeah, I'm straight edge, but I just popped 12 monsters in the parking lot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This isn't really metalcore, but do you guys remember the... Um AFI video for the Leaving Song Part 2. Oh my yeah. fucking this god. This is like metalcore adjacent. Like, this was a video of like straight edge as fuck dudes, hardcore dancing and spin and kicking in an auditorium. Like, I, I think, I don't know where they're from exactly, but they're friends with people in Philly, like hardcore heads. Mm -hmm. And I remember hearing a podcast or something, some sort of interview. They flew out all these actual hardcore oh, heads from yeah. Philly to California. <laughs> just to mosh in the video <laughs> yeah Dude, i feel like there's a few videos out there that have that sort of thing like hey let's just get all the punks in the area get all the hardcore Should, kids in the area even pharrell n-e-r-d the song everybody knows all the girls sitting in the line for the bathroom oh has, yeah yeah, oh, yeah. yeah true <laughs> has people moshing it. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i mean it's like yeah like if i could i mean if i was still moshing i'm in mosh retirement but like if i was Same. and it was like do you want to mosh in a pharrell video like yeah what the fuck of course throw down for for 10 10 <laughs> 5 to 10 so i, th I think it's also worth mentioning like as much as like the hardcore side was there and a lot of people are kind of moving from hardcore to this also this is like sort of peak new metal times too so i mean also i think a lot of people were being put on a lot of these bands through new metal bands like allowing like you know a trivium or as they lay dying to open for them yeah yeah, yeah you get these uh big big time new metal bands and they have like this up and coming metalcore band open and a bunch of kids get put on for sure yeah slipknot was definitely a big one i mean they put on like first time i saw him i said was chimera and fear factory second time i saw him was Ozfest. third time was lamb of god uh shadows fall all that remains and then i remember seeing tours like cradle of filth is headlining for bleeding through like, <laughs> it, it seems so crazy but i can totally see that yeah. i can totally see that mm -hmm. it's like you bring these two types of like slightly different metal heads together but like they kind of they can vibe yeah. this shit. It, the only thing they'll clash on is the mosh style. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Goddamn yeah. pit ninjas! <laughs> I'm tired of this fucking karate in the pit. <laughs> so, so one thing we gotta touch on real quick before we get into some of the other trends of this of this time period was a sort of offshoot southern style metalcore that was big at this time. I mean, the, the, I mean, I think all of our, I speak on behalf of all of us, like, you know, every time I die, fucking kings of that shit, yeah. but also bands like He Is Legend. Quick shout out to a deep cut. 
Fight Paris was also in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> that bitch sucked my cock, goddammit. <laughs> Balls <Yeah>. deep. <laughs> Tough look. Fight Paris does not age well, uh, but definitely kind of doing some of that uh, that southern rock mixed with the hardcore style with breakdowns type shit. Yeah, and a lot of these bands, I mean, Fight Paris, I think, actually was from the South. But like, Every Time I Die, for example, is like from Buffalo. <laughs> Buffalo, New York. Like, <laughs> like, yeah. Which, so I mean, maybe is a like, hick part of New York. <laughs> I think I think that's like yeah. a little bit of the connection. Yeah, I think there's like a sort of hick element out there or whatever. Um, but let's get to some of the trends of this time period. So one thing, and I think this kind of goes back to the 90s, but movie and TV show sound bites galore. Fucking suicide, <laughs> silence, and Family Guy, like <laughs> fucking Kill Whitney that, Dead, Ed Gein. Even those are more kind of like kind of grindy acts, but like yeah, that was the type of shit that pulled me into some of those types of bands. Like you put a fucking movie quote in there, and I'm in right before a breakdown, like a I'll, Donnie Darko quote. And you're like, yeah. I've seen that movie. That's cool. Yeah, Ed Gein like, was all Donnie Darko. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, for real, the whole album. The whole album is only Donnie Darko. Littered with Donnie Darko. I books, mean, not and even I was sold. But, like, not even just specific sound bites, but, like, yeah, Bury Your Dead put out a Tom Cruise album. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Every single song on Cover Your Tracks is a Tom Cruise yeah. movie. Yeah. That's also the heaviest album of 2000. <laughs> I remember five? that poster on your wall. <laughs> but, I mean, yeah, it was. Like, that album was... I love that album. Dude, I will still punch someone out to the color of money, dude. Oh, my fucking <laughs> like 100%, God. Like, 100%. Yeah. 100%. Well, I think maybe with that, we can talk a little bit about the Dapper Boys and Suits trend. Yeah, this time yeah. Oh, yeah. Another suits. trend. Yeah, yeah. That was kind of a thing. And you'll see this kind of linger on even until the other iterations of Metalcore. But, like, every now and again... If you're in a metalcore band, you got to be a dapper boy, and you got to put on a suit and tie, what? preferably you white tie. You got that victory hold on, money. Hold on. You got to put on. That's what that is. That's a victory a money. A suit and tie <laughs> and a Kangol hat. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Fedora mm, or someone hat. had to have a Kangol hat on stage. Lead but, singer. Lead singer gets that that extra flair. <laughs> or so, the ball guy. Yeah, or the ball. Yeah, the ball guy. guy needs the give the ball man the fucking tangle. Come he's on. gonna need. He's gonna need. Let him live. Let him live. So <laughs> also with that classy shit, man. I mean, again, this is one that kind of goes back to the '90s, and this kind of hits for like all rock and roll in general. But I feel like half the videos from this time period were just the band playing like a field or in like a garage or whatever, and then just shots of some random girl wandering Somebody's around. She's, she's sad. She's sad. She's writing in a notebook, or yeah. she's bleeding somewhere from her. Her hair yeah. looks great. I wonder. I wonder if like these are college students, like film students, like they just got in that. Maybe some of them even later later went on to be directors. Yeah, I, this I is their know. begotten thing. <laughs> begotten. I mean, they're probably yeah, like I mean, girlfriends, uh, girls from the scene who like the band knew. You I know, always probably. just imagine it's the guitarist girlfriend. Like, <laughs> yeah, every yeah. time. Um, but yeah, and and also in the development of of the mosh, y'all. This is, I mean. I think this is where karate style moshing really started to kick I off. I cringe so hard listening to it described as that. Like, because that's, that's what that's, it is. That's what we do. That's what we grew up moshing. Like. I've moshed karate style mosh many oh, a time. Yeah. yeah, but like, we I just have. like, Don't it's so started. cringe calling it I karate. I picked up change. Yeah. I fucking... Yeah, we picking up pennies, doing windmills. I spin kicked a couple people in their kidneys. Once again, I was there. Could was... anyone here do a cartwheel? 
Not anymore. No. Dude, but there were always those mosh heroes, dude. Those dudes who would just go in doing fucking kung fu out of nowhere. And just like, holy shit, dude. I'm just fucking going to throw my hands at the air like a dumbass. There's I, a rhythm to it. You, you you cartwheel in. You fucking throw some hands. You bounce around. You stop. Do a back kick that like <laughs> might just like knock someone's knock jaw some off. Knock some fucking 13-year-old girl out. There was a local dude with the nickname Back Kick. Because he oh, would yeah. strictly back kick people. Like at the edge of the pit. I remember back. Kick. <laughs> I mean, Mark, I spin kicked uh, like a 15 year old girl and I had to apologize her at my own birthday show. I'm glad you apologized. Was she okay? No, she was not. Oh, Jesus Christ. She was hospitalized. I, I was 350 pounds. She was like 16 and probably weighed like a buck 20. Like, and my full force, uh, 12 inch wide calf just destroyed her torso. I, I can't imagine because I feel like I've taken one of those and the air was completely knocking out of I, me. I thought we had to take Chris to the hospital that one night. I, I spin kicked him off of a fucking deck and like <laughs> I thought he like he passed out. Like I thought he died. I've been spun kicked out of an unearthed show. It, in the stomach, it was not good. Shout out to Unearth. We did, I feel like it's kind of weird that we haven't mentioned them in this particular Yeah, true. Era. They were yeah. kind of legends out here. But yeah, this was the time where, yeah, this was big times where you just had to like take a spin kick to the face sometimes and act like <laughs> everything was fine. Yeah. Like, well, know, like, I mean, because this was like the period of the mosh call. This was like yeah. when it's like, all right, things are about to get violent in the room. You know, yeah, so many good mosh calls, even <laughs> recorded in the songs. Yeah, <laughs> All right, motherfuckers, you go kick a bunch of fucking pussies. Like, let's like, see it. <laughs> throw down Haymaker. They say recorded on the album Haymaker. Uh, Fuck that shit. Open this pit. Oh. Yeah, but you're at home and you're just like, yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> hey, mom, come in here real quick. I got something for you. You're practicing your mosh moves in the mirror. A hundred percent, I was practicing my mosh moves. Yo, yo, straight up, straight up. I hate, I'm ashamed okay, to Okay, we're all going to say we practice mosh in that home. <laughs> yeah. So we didn't look oh, like yeah. fools. Yeah, yeah, oh, you okay, had to okay. fucking run this shit. I just wanted to make sure. You had to do a dry run before so you I've never, I've never talked about it openly because, <laughs> yeah, you know. It's absolutely. kind of like talking about masturbating, you know. It's kind of like, look, we we all have done it's it. It's unspoken. It's unspoken, but we had to have done it. We <laughs> couldn't all just be fucking. <laughs> um, a mosh call that comes to mind when I first think of that is every time I die on One Health of DVD, they say... Oh, God. <laughs> and people were just like, oh, shit. <laughs> that was during Floater, during yeah. the breakdown you know, Floater, Especially, right? I mean, I mean, we mentioned Family Guy. This was during peak Edgelord humor days when, like, being, like, super offensive was kind of a thing. So you just say, like, definitely a lot of sexist shit. Like, you oh, know, yeah. I mean, that was definitely, I mean, that's kind that's of. That's going to come to fruition even later. Danny. Like, that's really get crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so a couple other kind of trends around this time were uh, swinging guitars around. I mean, I, when I think of that, I think of Dillinger's Escape Plan quintessentially, but like definitely more bands besides that. Oh yeah, like every band was doing this a little bit, but I like when I think of that, I definitely think of like Norma Jean and like original yeah. Norma Jean and like the Chariot. That yeah. was like their whole thing was just like that was the Wait. that was revisiting the spazzy corner of of this of this yeah. era. And speaking of the Chariot, another trend of this is like long song song titles. Oh, yeah, yeah. That true, true. mean absolutely nothing. And the Chariot. We looked up quite a few, and the the chariot takes the bag. And this song title: "Someday, in the event that mankind actually figures out what it is that this world revolves around, thousands of people are going to be shocked and perplexed to find out it was not them." 
Sometimes this, this includes, includes me. me. <laughs> Damn. That's <laughs> one song title. I can't you know, I, I can't tell you about how many like back in the day when I had my like MP3 player and like literally not being able to see the whole name of the song. <laughs> like you just memorize the song by the first three words because like I didn't have that time that kind of time, you know. Yeah, but but speaking of the chariot, another big thing still popping off in this time period are these Christian bands, dude, with bands like yeah. Ezele Dying, Under Oath. That's an interesting through line I saw. Probably even bigger than ever at this point. Going like even through like the early hardcore days to like full mainstream success, cr- the Christian thing was always a big element of metalcore. I mean, you got to think, dude. This was this was post nine eleven. Mm, you had to believe in something. Yeah, you had to yeah. stand for something. In God That's we true. trust, bro. Okay. Never yeah, right. again. I mean, that's the way that, like, no, mom, like, they're Christian. Like, you know. I mean, I can't tell. Like, straight up, I was raised hardcore Christian, and, like, that was an excuse a lot of times. Like, it's at a church. Like, as they, like, dying, that's, like, Jesus dying on the cross. Like, so Under oath? (laughs) I can remember, like, like, reading lyrics of some of these bands to my mom as they're screaming over the top of them. Like, see? I'm into some, like, righteous stuff. My mom kind of digged it because she really tried to push POD onto me hard. (laughs) Hey, P.O.D. As they lie dying is like is just like a step below P.O.D. You get into P.O.D. and you want something a little bit heavier. You're getting the as they lie dying. You're getting the, yeah, you're getting the as they lie dying. Um, I mean, and speaking of which, like, I mean, we can kind of wrap this up by mentioning a couple other reasons why like this period was pretty big and why it started to kind of transition into what we're about to get to, into, which is like the peak popularity of that shit. I mean, definitely new metal kind of phasing around that time period was a big deal. Uh, we got Jamie Josta hosting Headbangers Ball between yeah. 2003 and 2007. And also, like, you got to think, this is the time period where a lot of emo bands like My Chemical Romance, AFI, and Follow Up Boy were really getting big. And all of those bands kind of had roots in the hardcore punk scene. Like, it wouldn't be too... I mean, I think My Chemical Romance even played, like, a Hellfest or two, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. They played I think, Hellfest, yeah. I think the Taste of Chaos... I don't know that it was their tour, but they definitely headlined it at least yeah, once. Yeah, they headlined no, Fall Out Boy, uh, Dead on Arrival has like a, a, a an extended breakdown in the middle of it. These, yeah. so like we were we were getting a lot of that like emo stuff, the the trendiness of the emo stuff, and the kind of the aesthetic of emo, kind of replacing like the big fat bearded uh, metal vocalist stuff. Like we were we're co opting the emo look. For kind of a heavier sound, yeah, for sure, and for also sure. co-opting some of the emo sound as well, yeah, uh, you know, making something kind of new for the time, and uh, I, it's, so it started to take with a lot of people like on a wider scale. But then also, I gotta mention things like uh, Guitar Hero and shit. Yeah, had for a sure. lot of these types of bands on it, really putting people on to. Shit the, like this. The first time I heard Every Time I Die was on Guitar Hero. The first time I heard Fall of Troy was on you Guitar Hero. You heard that Hero. beer yeah. can crack? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Baby! I really did not like that song until much later. I did not appreciate it during that time. As an Every Time I Die fan in Hot Damn, I didn't like that album. Yeah, yeah. same, same. It was, I until mean, I liked later that album, on, but, yeah. like, but like, it was definitely a step from a uh, hot damn but yeah dude i feel like because of how big i mean this is this kind of even taps into our emo episode in an obvious way but like emo was so big that 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 line between like the underground and the mainstream was just getting thinner and thinner and i was trying to nail it like when it was the thinnest and i said 2005 to 2008 was like that's a time period where you could be like some dude on the baseball team at your school with some square parents and you have a friend that takes you to hot topic and you get into you know, that could be your, like, the way that you get into throwdown. It's or actually kind of like, wild because, like, in 2009, when I was working in the shipyard, I had this one boss who was, like, a man, he was a manager, but, like, he lied about shit all the time to, like, make himself <laughs> cool. 
And like he told us that like his son was in a guitarist for Of Mice and Men and was on tour, <laughs> but like his son was like forty three, and I was like, okay, but like he knew just enough to be like to try to impress us young yeah, guys. Yeah, he knew like, who Of Mice and Men were. He was like, yeah, he's in the the AP magazine at the Hot Topic, and I was like, oh. okay. By the way, did you guys know that the lead singer of Of Mice and Men, I guess the like the founder of Of Mice and Men, was the lead singer of Attack Attack? No, really? that was no. their whole claim to fame is they had the Attack Attack guy. Damn, I mean, not know that. So, I mean, it sounds like, yo, we are just like spilling to get into this. That sounds like nepotism to me. (laughs) So, let's get on into it. So, like, let me change my pants. (laughs) So, like, you know, that's like when metalcore is getting really, like, really big. The, you know, it's still, but like, has more and more. Uh, you know, has has metalcore kind of got more and more mainstream? That's where we get into like the late two thousands when metalcore had become a household name at like Hot Topic and Warp Tour. Has bands like A Day to Remember, Attack Attack, The Devil Wars Prada, August Burns Red, Asking Alexandria of Mice and Men, Bring Me the Horizon, and Motionless and White that started achieving mainstream success far, far beyond the reaches of the hardcore scene. anything the hardcore scene could have ever. Been. I gotta be really honest with you, like this, this was not my vibe. None Same. I think it should I be, hated yeah. this shit. Dude. This was where this, I fell off. Yeah, yeah. I think this is where a lot of us tap out. But this is like, this is like you said, this is where it's like <laughs> the biggest. This is where a lot of those bands that you just mentioned were like cracking the Billboard 200 and stuff. Yeah. Like yeah. it wasn't uncommon as to walk into the shit. mall and and walk out with any one of these bands' shirt. And I have to admit, even though I wasn't really here for this type of stuff, there was a part of me. That was a little bit, like, stoked that, like, this was as popular as it was. Because I remember being younger and, like, really, like, having to listen to my music. Like, I would have never played shit that I listened to out loud. Because, like, that was, like, asking to be, like, ridiculed or, like, you know, answer questions. Or, like, people just didn't get this. And it was cool to see that, like, even though some of these bands were, like, really, like, uh, heavy boy bands, basically. Yeah. Uh, it was cool that people were in the music with screaming and breakdowns and stuff like that. Like, like you know, 
Dude, I feel like that now, but, like, as someone that was, like, getting into hardcore, like, around this time period, it was kind of, like, a taboo to be into a lot of this stuff. Like, yeah. within the hardcore scene, I feel like... Absolutely. I And maybe we'll talk about this more when we get to our hardcore episode, but there was... I feel like there was a little bit of, like, an identity crisis during this time period, because this is this is when people that, like, listen to A Day to Remember, Attack, Attack, whatever, say that they listen to hardcore music so like yeah, they would they wouldn't yeah. call it metalcore so like within the hard the actual like hardcore punk scene like it was like if you came to like a, a regular show wearing an august burns red shirt around around that time period in particular you that smoked you, you could get like just beat up for you that you were literally a target yo you straight up a uh funny story like at this time like i jokingly uh said i was gonna start a metalcore band in the vein of this and i was gonna name it um forever ends today <laughs> and like i it just purely like it's i was crazy that like i was just gonna i was already. just gonna it was just gonna be a joke band and i just thought it was funny haha and like my boy our, our boy guido pulled me aside and was like what you just don't listen to hardcore anymore like you're just not listening to this <laughs> you're, you're into metalcore now like what's wrong with you what's wrong with the slaps in the head like come on what's wrong come with on you? what's wrong with you i was like no i'm just i'm just i'm just joshing you. yeah dude it was definitely a thing that like i mean and it, it kind of sucks i'm sure like there's definitely some listeners right now who are listening who are like man this is what put me on to like this type of shit sorry but yeah i mean within like the the kind of underground scene this was very taboo and very whack but i mean there were bands like a day to remember i definitely remember like literally all the bands you just listed the only one that like i even like remotely fuck with and i definitely say remotely is uh, a day to remember like nothing yeah. up there yeah, yeah, yeah. nothing yeah. up there i would ever listen to except for stick stickly from the, attack yeah. attack as a joke the only band i've listened to a full album is a day to remember and their early out al- their first album i believe is like it sounds raw They're using computers. They're using uh, <laughs> fucking synthesizers and yeah. shit. I like Devil Wars Prada. I, I was here for good. a lot of these bands. Yeah, I, I, quite, most of these bands I was definitely here for. I'm not really big into Motionless and White or Asking Alexandria or of Mice and Men, but like big in the Devil Wears Prada, Attack Attack. I was, I, you know, I was there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was there. Fucking uh, Bring Me the Horizon. <laughs> I kind of fell off later, but. This is kind of like my zone for a bit, definitely, and and uh, like, but you're riding too. the wave of it getting big and more people yeah, getting well, into exactly. it. Exactly, yeah. and it was crazy to me that like these bands were as popular as they were, but that's also kind of maybe the downfall of a lot of this shit. Yeah, you know. Yeah, um, and also it's worth mentioning. I mean, around this time period, especially, I mean, if you were going to Warp Tour in the early years, by like the late 2000s and especially in the early 2010s, Warp Tour had been totally taken over. Yeah. by these sorts of bands. Like, all these record labels were, like, in a mad dash to just, like, book whoever the they money. Think. Yeah, whoever's going to be the next Asking Alexandra, Bring Me Their Rives. And, I mean, you've got labels like Victory still. I mean, at this point, Victory Records has, like, been through, like, the entire metalcore scene, but by this point, they're just pumping this shit yeah. out. Yeah, Victory Records. Right Rec- now, they're... 
Are they broke right now? Are we in the Victory Records resurgence? Are we in the Design the Skyline? I think I think that's where we're about. Yeah, we can we can say we're there. Yeah, we're getting there. Yeah, yeah, we're we're around that period. But also, you got labels like Epitaph. Who I mean, Epitaph is pretty big fucking label that's putting out whatever. But definitely, fueled by Ramen, who's you know I think a a label that was definitely more kind of connected to what the scene was doing. I mean, they they got Paramore right. Yeah, mm-hmm. Food by Robin was like, you know, they were like a scene label. Yo, these were all successful-ass labels, definitely. At Speaking the time. of Victory Records, late 2000s, um, I think, well, it was like 2010, but it's, just, it's a funny story. Um, I went and saw um, Hawthorne Heights at Shaka's, which is a really small venue, and they opened up for a metalcore band on Victory called Me Talk Pretty. <laughs> like I was like, dude, I remember like seeing them at Warp Tour when I was like 15 and like <laughs> 1500 people losing their fucking mind and they're playing like a a 100 room limit club how is, and opening for a band that no one's ever fucking heard hey, of. How, how, how is me talk pretty though i didn't stay for them <laughs> did anyone stay for them no no like pretty much everyone left but like it I was mean, a, hawthorne heights was amazing that it, was a great it's kind of like the broken side effect if i could call it that yeah. uh, like yeah. no one's actually there for them they're i mean yeah 100 percent. I, I think it's because like those bands are trying to cash in on this wave of like again these big bands like bring me the rise of my cement and shit like that but like the people that are listening to these bands aren't really the type of people i think that usually want to listen to a bunch of bands there's a lot of people who just find asking alexandra and of my cement and they're set you know yeah. and they can just listen to those records over and over and over again and next to you know nirvana guns and roses whatever just miscellaneous rock music they like so i think you, you know you have these labels pumping this shit out like it's the old days where like people are like furious to find new music but like now that you got the mainstream audience all you gotta do is just pump the big boys yeah baby. you have the internet you can literally find whatever specific exact thing you want in that moment yeah, yeah so thank you spotify thank you so much <laughs> thank you apple music i love you all so Jesus. so shout out to some other labels at the time hey check us out on spotify good times <laughs> killing us podcast. shout out to uh samarian and metal and metal ba- blade you know labels that were really straight up metal labels but they were just pumping this shit out trying to get on the cash cow yeah too. they were definitely on the cash cow like, i think samarian had signed like bands like i see stars who was like basically ask not ask alexandria but like attack attack Part two, yeah, you yeah. Know, and, and Dude, a bunch of other bands like that. So, did you mention uh, All Stars tour? Because that oh, was the, that was like the big yeah. shitty, oh, the yeah, shitty yeah. metalcore tour. This is it. This is what this is the time that we're talking about. Yeah. Well, real quick, just to wrap that up. Also, shout out to Rise Records. I think Rise okay, Records yeah. is one of those ones yeah. that really kind Huge. of defined. They were they wanted to be this, <laughs> like you know. They but, even tapped into our scene, Honor Crest. Yeah, oh, yeah, shout out yeah. to Honorcrest, the local. I mean, what, I mean, metalcore. Yeah, yeah they're metalcore. Yeah, metalcore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, yeah. they have their own kind of thing, but like, uh, they also real quick a little story just to, to kind of talk about how this, how it was in like the the two thousand tens when like these labels were just trying to pump whatever there were out, or like whatever they could out, just trying to find the next little yeah. local band to put some money into, get a music video, and just pump them out. How did they find these bands? They <laughs> had to have Battle of the Bands across the country, and your boys. Played and won the Virginia Beach Battle of the Bands, and we played to get on Sumerian Records. We went to New Jersey, played that shit, and man, what a show, dude. All those bands, dude. All those bands sounded exactly the same. Do you remember the band that won? 
No. It was a band no. from Jersey. I don't remember the band, but they were from Jersey. They were Samarian a band from where they were. Who yeah, yeah, that band is literally. <laughs> hey, no disrespect. The band's definitely nowhere now. Dude, this uh, shit was like American <laughs> Idol. It's like all people just doing the same fucking songs. Like it's just like some bands are a little bit heavier. Oh, they have a clean vocalist, but it's all the same. It's shit. crazy too because we were pretty hyped because like we won the one here and like we. I don't we're, think we expected to win at all. Like we were like, oh shit. We were and then we band, went all dude. the way to Jersey or whatever. You know, and then like we just played with like a bunch of yeah. every band that you just named. We just played with uh, like clones of each of yeah. one of those bands. And I remember then, sitting in the van and hearing vocalists outside like la 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 la. <laughs> oh yeah, doing vocal warm ups. Like oh shit, are we supposed to be doing that type of stuff? <laughs> I've ever been like oh shit, I guess I gotta do my fucking <laughs> like. I mean, I, I was trying to do a little bit of that. Me, I me, 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 me. You did start working on your vocals and la, doing la, vocal warm ups, but at that time we weren't on that type of shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, these bands were like, we're going to get, we're gonna use all of our our trust fund money to like you know like, they were shoving the shock down their uh, skin tight jeans and make their crotch look big yeah i mean honestly yeah probably. straightening straightening their hair they were doing their pre-stretches before the uh the uh crab coring and oh, like the, running the, in the place the running man yeah the running the hands man move. up yeah a lot of that that day and they were seeing each other and they were like high-fiving over they're like yeah you doing you got your uh your fucking crunches in today yeah bro just fucking like you know that was like what it was yo do you see how many 17 year olds are in the fucking audience tonight? <laughs> <laughs> Shit. it's funny the show was at a bar yeah, yeah, it was a <laughs> shitty show. It was, it was just still like, like random bullshit. Bar, still. <laughs> what the? It was a bar at a bar here. I know. <laughs> uh, Feralux also did something similar with Sumerian, and they did the Battle of the Bands. They won that uh, "quote unquote" New Jersey show. Like, to yeah. what? They're from Florida. Definitely they won yeah. that style of show, <laughs> and they had to pay their own way out to tour to California to get on to the next Battle of the Bands. Like, if we had won that show in New oh, Jersey, we would have to level? go out to California. I would have been like, this might be Cap Dog. I, yeah. don't, know. I don't know if I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm here for that. One. Um, but yeah, so so speaking of like just churning out bands, uh, we got to talk a little bit about the studio recordings at this time. I mean, obviously, these bands are much bigger. To make them palatable to a mainstream audience, they got to be a little bit cleaner. And this is really the time period. Mark, you mentioned this is the... Well, to talk about this time period is to talk about this specific sound in metalcore. And this is the age of Joey Sturgis. <laughs> Joey Sturgis, like one of the big uh, like producers and engineers of this time basically single-handedly molded this entire period of like scene metalcore and and most of the bands and so many more that we just mentioned he had like recorded so they all had this same typical typical sound and i mean honestly a lot of these bands were going for that sound they would like you know spend a lot of money to go to joey surges to get that fucking devil wears prada um Bring me the horizon and data. Remember, like crunchy sound. So yeah, I mean, we kind of mentioned this earlier, but this is really when you start to see sort of boy bandish energy from a lot of these bands, especially bands like Asking Alexandria of Mice and Men. Bring me the horizon. Like all of these dudes, they're fully tatted out. They you know look like whatever I guess you know yeah. young alt girls want. Even and a big, I'm a big fan, but even like bands like uh, Dance Gavin Dance with uh, Johnny Craig and stuff. This is like the aesthetic of like. Uh, metalcore that we're going in R&B-E singer with this uh, swan-like voice along with like some uh, some high-pitched screams mm-hmm. scattered through it
Which, I mean, does, I mean, I'm not really a big fan of a lot of this stuff, but there is a pretty wide variety of sounds that they're able to do. I mean, these are musicians that are, I think, good at their instruments. I mean, I don't really like the music that much, but they're probably all really damn good, you know. They'd probably know their instruments really well. They so, know how to play. I mean, these are these are good musicians. Now. I mean, yeah, there's definitely, how to write songs. There's definitely a, a handful of bands that were really good and um, bands that were really technical and bands that were had even um, some pretty decent lyrical content. But I think most of these bands, and why a lot of people, why I get shade from uh, areas of uh, real metalheads or like uh, more punk and hardcore kids, is that a lot of these bands weren't that. A lot of these bands were chugfests and like very vapid lyrics, very vapid lyrical content. It's kind of like it, it, like metal had kind of been that full rotation. Like it kind of it started off, you know, doing what I mean, just kicking off with like hair metal, basically. Like, metal, hair metal gets lame, it goes to the underground, and this is when it kind of becomes hair metal again. It kind of rebirthed itself. It, it's from a phoenix from the ashes. Here comes hair metal again. Yeah, I mean, and, even uh, look at these dudes' hair at the time. Now they all have, like, the cool guy cuts. Uh, but, like, all these bands early on. Why'd you all punch your that. head when you said that? Because, I mean, I guess I kind of have the cool guy cut. <laughs> yeah, because he's got the cool guy cut. Yeah. But it was all about the long swoop around yeah, now. Yeah. This is like the fucking swoop, but, you know, maybe a little bit of it's longer. No more <laughs> spikes in the back. You know, yeah, yeah. You keep the spikes down, everything pressed down, I guess. Well, like, again, this was, you were trying to get ladies. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. I'm sorry, I gotta stop saying bitches so much. <laughs> <laughs> so, so also in the realm of bands, uh, you know, that same kind of like uh, style, but a, not quite as big, was the growing popularity of Easycore, which I really think came along with the popularity of like smaller uh, pop punk bands. So you've got bands like A Day to Remember, Chunk No Captain Chunk, Fork yeah. Year Strong, you know, bands that basically have pop punk parts and metalcore parts. Yeah. I think I, I just want to shout out real quick a defining band for that style is Set Your Goals. Set your goals, sure. yeah, yep. yeah. I think you said it best the other day when I was trying to defend set your goals. You're like, yeah, you get a one whiny, one dude to be whiny and screamy, and then the other guy to be even more whiny. <laughs> like, yeah. That was all there was. <laughs> that band, like, I used, I was really into set your goals, and like going back and like listening to that shit now, man, it is a rough fucking listen. There's no reason to, for them to have two vocalists. No, <laughs> no, not at all. They like sometimes, like, I'm like, which one is it doing right now? Who is it? Yeah. And also, I mean, again, something we kind of mentioned earlier, but, like, this is where the time period you see synthesizers really in full effect. I mean, I think bands like Attack Attack, Devil Wars Prada, definitely many others are really, like, yeah. the ones that made that shit huge. I mean, and also shout out to Horse the Band, by the way. Yeah, it was, it was in, like, the lower tier, not by talent by whatsoever, but, like, Horse the Band, The Locust. Yeah, kind of sure. like grindcore, honestly. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think that a lot of these bands actually borrowed a little bit of that aesthetic, yeah, honestly. Yeah, yeah. That kind of like quirky, like you know, I think a lot of that almost like raw sort of shit, even kind of like yeah. you know what I mean, in a weird way that kind of comes from that. And there's so many different levels of this version quirky. of metalcore, but like I think one that we have to talk about is a little bit of the partycore metalcore shit. When uh, we're talking about bands like Attila and uh, Doctor Acula. Or, um... I think Ymir kind of lands in there. I mean, I don't know if Ymir is quite party, but they definitely kind of have a little bit of that fuckboy energy. I don't know if Ymir lands in there. Not for what I'm talking it, about. I think like, the fans... If, if you're talking fuckboy, man, like, you gotta go into a tiller. I like a bad bitch. Shit, 
Fonz is like the definition of a fuck boy. I think we found another trope when we were watching videos the other day, but like another metalcore trope around this time was like having a like a, a clip in your video of you like partying with with Franz from Attila. Like that's just like how you knew you were a full on fuck boy. Because I think I mean I think like band. there were a lot more music videos that were just like at parties, like you know you, like the Red Solo Cups of people playing beer pong. Like that was I mean I feel uh, like one of my favorite styles of video. Dude, shout Mark, out Fez. Mark, when I like when I like met you, that was your lane. That you was, were jamming yeah, old was, Attila and like this shit, and we were like chilling, like drinking beers, drinking natty eyes, playing. You're told me like, you cared. I'm just like stupid drunk, like, oh, these dudes are fucking singing about my life, man, dude. Yeah, like, dude. <laughs> just like, <laughs> that was a whole vibe, dude. I mean, that's because, like, more like regular people are getting into this shit. I mean, this is when you're seeing, like, you know, mall kids getting into this. Like, now Metalcore is a staple of the mall because of Hot Topic and maybe a little bit of Spencer's. Yeah. You know, normal, like, kids that are, again, playing baseball or football on the high school team <laughs> are now listening to, like, Attila. This is, like, what I said. This was exactly my lane. This is, like, just regular Americana, like, fucking young kids, like, cutting up. But we are fucking listening to very heavy music. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, and, we're, and we love, like, some shredding. Like, yeah, very much. So I think also with that, you know, to kind of go back to the hardcore scene, I feel like this is when, because of that split, because of all these, like, new kids that are getting to metalcore calling it hardcore, that's when you start hearing more of these older hardcore bands or, like, more vetted hardcore bands, or metalcore bands, really, being labeled as metallic hardcore. Like, all of a sudden, Converge was not a metalcore band, they were a metallic hardcore band. Had or they maybe even Killswitch Engage to some people. Yeah, we had to, like, had, had to distance themselves from what was going on. Because this is, like... Metalcore took the fucking weird pill and yeah. the fuckboy pill and was, like, wiling out at this point. This is, like, unrecognizable to the shit that we were talking about earlier. This is its own thing at this point. Yeah, we're in branching the scene, off, dude. Yeah, this yeah, is man, branching yeah. off in multiple... It's branching off faster than you can count with yeah, things like electronic core and crunk core and fucking... Yeah. Like, party core. We're like, on MySpace, baby. One, yeah. one, thing, one thing I feel like we've really dropped the ball on so far this episode, we have not mentioned... Our uh, friend of the show, Etienne Sin, a single time during this, because this was his height, bro. This is when he should have been. If he was around around then, he could have caught a wave. Yeah, he was late. Yeah. He was super late. He was to doing this, party. this just with hard inwards. Yeah, <laughs> well, not the hard. Well, yeah, I mean, with the inward, it was a soft yeah, inward, but still, it shouldn't, you know, doesn't need to be doing that. But yeah, like, anyway, this is like, again, emo was huge at this time. This is when metalcore is seen as fuck. We got tight pants. We got. Like straightened swoop hair. We got bracelets. Yeah. Deep V necks. Yeah, the hair was crazy. The V necks were deep. The the colors were neon. Like you had to have. <laughs> you know, you I, had to have. I will say about the V necks though. At least they were like. Yeah, they were deep, but, but they, they weren't loose. Those collars were not loose. They, they were, were not tight loose. collars. Hold on. Yeah, because really you got thrown around in the pit. <laughs> yeah. These V-necks were deep, but they won't lose. Well, you got to have that deep Here's V-neck. looking at you, Chris. So you can show off your, your sweet chest piece in that same font <laughs> yeah. as everybody else. You can show off your uh, love on her arms. Yeah. Nautical yeah, exactly. stars or whatever the fuck. Hey, tough look for all you guys. You got a bunch of Dude, nautical. throat tats were big at this time, too. Uh, also, vulgar impact font t-shirts. Woo! Cannot be understated. or this overstated. This was like we, a time. Are you talking about like... Yeah, yeah. Your but, shirt right yeah, now? Yeah, you're literally, literally wearing I wore a shirt. my most, uh, like, the only Impact Font shirt that I have. This is some band we played with at some point. Uh, 
in, in dying, dying arms. arms. I think it was at uh, this place off Military Highway with Honor Crest. Stonewall. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But uh, what, what does that even say? <laughs> you aren't the center in dying arms of the fucking disease. Oh, you are. You are the. You, you yeah. Are, you are the center of. The you fucking are disease. the center of the fucking disease. I think this sort of thing started with on broken wings. They had these zip up hoodies that said mosh oh, right shit. across that's the chest. I think a little bit of a See, shout out also to Bane, even honestly, with, yeah, the, the, with Bane, the classic the Bane, Bane hoodie. Yeah. Like, but I mean, that's just like that's but just it. Just like kept it. these shirts just got busier and busier yeah. <laughs> and worse and worse. I mean, I think I saw like an Asking Alexandria shirt that just says "Get on your that knees." That was hold on. That was the shirt, by the yeah, way. That, that was like the one Warped Tour 2011, like that or twelve. Like that was the shirt. Like they really set it off with that one. Casual yeah. sexism was like a whole part of this whole thing. By you the said way. these sluts. Yeah. We're fucking it, dudes. <laughs> in like the 2009 era of Bridge Nine Records, like they would have Warp Tour tents, and there was a band, Crime and Stereo, not seen whatsoever, but they had their shirts for sale that just said "Mosh Motherfucker" on the I front. Love, yeah, it's like I'll capitalize on, on the back. It said Crime and Stereo, and people just bought that shit just because it looked cool. Like, yeah, I, you I, get like some hardcore cred because, like, yeah, this is like a smaller <laughs> band. They weren't even on Warp Tour. Like I don't yeah, just like this yeah. shirt. You didn't even know the band at all. Didn't even watch them and buy that shirt. Hey, fucking mosh, motherfucker! I'm with that. Yeah, I'll wear dude. that in the pit, dude. That shit. I mean, eventually that shit got really gnarly. Like you'd see dudes with shirts that just say like, "You stupid fucking whore." Like fuck <laughs> off. Basically, they would just say in bold font the equivalent of "Don't talk to me." Like, <laughs> like what the fuck? Life it's is slut. pain. Uh, like shit. Like that. I I sent y'all recently on Discord like the thing where I tried to do that macrogross last show. It said something <laughs> something ridiculous like "Fuck you, fuck Marty." It's, it's full <laughs> across on the front. And the person who was supposed to print them just never hit me back. <laughs> he, was like, he was like, oh, man, nah, it ain't 2009 anymore, dog. <laughs> Yo, but to, to, I mean, also another really big thing in the time period were, like, brand ripoff shirts. And also, I oh, mean, yeah. in general, just, like, those crazy shirts with, like, the crazy fucking designs. Like, with this, just, like, yeah. I mean, I mean. Bright the imp- colors. Yeah. Dinosaurs or whatever, like, random, like, bird, creature, animal. Yeah, like, if you, like, they would just kind of look all the same, sort of, like, honestly, they were kind of, like, a lot of, like, tattoos sleeves you know what like when you see a lot of full sleeves it kind of just looks like a big blob of stuff but then you like look closer and you're like oh that's like a unicorn riding like a dragon's <laughs> wings for some fucking reason they're like being they're like wrestling like a serpent like they're always just some crazy outlandish and then fantasy they just say shit. bless the fall yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> joe joe beers had a really dope emir shirt that was just a picture of mike tyson <laughs> with, with emir underneath yeah. like their logo dude Where, just imagine- sell that Reminds me of some mongoloid shit. Like they just had, they had like all, a smucker like, shirt that yeah. said the Mongols. <laughs> the, the the juggalo shirt. Yeah. Dude, shout out! It's kind of a deep cut, but shout out to the Mongoloids merch game. More than any other hardcore band, they were riding the wave of, of this shit. They were like, "Yeah, that's kind of cool, actually." Yeah. Like, Hell yeah! I can't do as much. So just you know, just imagine a gangster Popeye SpongeBob T-shirt with Emure's logo, <laughs> and you've basically got like that trend. Yeah. There it is. That's what it was. Oh yeah, no, another kind of funny thing. A lot of metal versions of, of normal songs, like the Soldier Boy remix, Punk Goes Crunk, that oh, yeah, type yeah, of shit. Yeah. Punk huge. Goes Crunk was a huge thing around this time. This was like maybe I don't know. 
was this another thing that put people on to like this? I stuff? think so. Yeah, oh, because for I mean, sure. Yeah. yeah, because you're playing like mainstream songs, but like through like a cool lens, and it's yeah. called punk on the ra- label. So it you cool. think now that's what I call music? Who listens to this shit? But people do listen to that. It's the it's a, always like the top selling albums. Yeah, like, that's crazy. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but also, quick shout out. More Christian bands, baby. Devil Wars Prada, August Burns Red. <laughs> yeah, that Christian, shit is popping off, Yeah, dude. Christian metalcore still, you guys. Like, still happening. Still and by, huge. By this point, you're seeing, like, Devil Wars Prada. You're like, hell yeah, this is fucking sick. And then they're just like, and real quick, I just want to give a shout out to Jesus. And then things are kind of awkward. It's like, yeah, oh, yeah. Weird preachy part on stage. It's like, I just, like, punched, like, a girl in the face. And now they're telling this me about This is Jesus. awkward because I'm taking this 16-year-old home tonight. <laughs> I'm going to fuck her. Just as much as there was, like... That's not us, by the way. That's just us giving you an impression of, like, the sort of culture of the time period. We're just painting the picture of the yeah. era, baby. Yeah. But um, just just as much as there were, like, uh, the Christian metalcore bands at this time, I feel like there was a lot of the, the phony Christian metalcore bands at this time, too. Like, who were just on the wave of, like, hey, oh, yeah, we're heavy metalcore bands, so we're supposed to be Christian, right? Everyone won that badge <laughs> where, like, you knew you could... You're, like a little kid could get into your band and then they could tell their parents that they were a Christian band. Like exactly. that was a that's a whole thing. So yeah, I mean, as metalcore is getting huger and huger, you know, more and more normies are getting into it. Inevitably, I mean, this this bubble's got to burst at some point, right? I mean, I feel like in the late 2000, or really just the mid 2010s, even sort of the early 2010s, you're really starting to see this shit sort of fall off. Like maybe not. I mean, I think these bands are still big. But there's not really, like, new bands that are blowing up. I, I, I think that whole scene is just... Yeah, I we're mean... Not, we're not breaking any new ground. I mean, like you said, you can only burn so bright for so long. And, like, this shit is just really kind of, like, repeating itself. And, like, I mean, most people kind of... Most real people who are into metal and shit kind of see what it is. Like, people well, yeah, and then the people that were there, like, the girls that were there, like, One Direction came out. And well, they, like, they, we they don't, all we already We already have, we have a, an actual boy band now you can <laughs> yeah. listen to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I mean, hey, hey, you can just listen to, like, you know, K-pop now. You know, you don't need metalcore anymore, yeah. you know? Uh, so things you find to hot dudes somewhere else. Yeah, you right. don't need all this screaming. Yeah. Uh, real quick, so before we move on into, like, you know, that's kind of, like, everything as far as, like, uh, what the big scene know. days. Yeah, and what we know and stuff. And uh, we've talked about where it started. We talked about where it was in its height. And we're going to kind of really quick talk about the resolution and what's going on with metalcore now. But I think to do that, we should start it by talking to someone that we know who is very much there for all of this stuff, very much into all of this stuff, and does have a booking agency locally that books metalcore acts today, right now. So Yeah, this is how we tap the, the pulse of what's going on right now. Yeah, so we're going to cut over really quick to an interview with our good friend Seth Jate and talk about metalcore and uh, what's going on with it now a little bit. All right, let's do it. All right, you guys. Well, before we go any further, we want to have a little interview with a friend of ours uh, from the the scene and uh, from our local kind of uh, metalcore and hardcore scene, our good friend Seth Jate. Hey, you said it right. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, what's up, Seth? How you doing, bud? What up? First, I want to say I miss all of you guys. <laughs> it's been a long time since I've seen any of your faces. Hell yeah. Man. What he's and saying is he's calling us out. What he's yeah. saying is get y'all's asses to a show. <laughs> y'all need to get to some damn show. That's all I'm saying. Y'all got lives. I know how it is. I know exactly how it is now that I have a kid on the way and I already have a kid. I know exactly Yo, how it is. Congrats on yeah. the dad life, bro. That's yeah, congratulations dope. on the new kid on the way too, by the way, man. 
Thank you, thank you. It is insane. All right, and so, I, see, I see what Mark goes through now. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know the deal, dude. Dead so life. to kind of give the audience a background, um, you are the owner of Birthday Booking. So you're pretty much like the metalcore king in this uh, area, in our scene right now. You're booking pretty much every metalcore show that's coming through this area as of like the past like two or three years. Where did the name Birthday Booking come from, bro? <laughs> Let's start there. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, um, when I was 19, you might remember this place. Uh, you guys remember VA Live yeah, over yeah, on Bainbridge? Yeah. And so back when Sycar was still a thing and he was booking <laughs> shows yeah. there. All right, Pete. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I was like, yo, Tyler, uh, do you have the contact for that place? So I'll get like book a birthday show. He's like, yeah, here it is and all that. So I looked at all this. I was like, well, usually, because I remember Matt Reitz, when he was booking, you were like, X Matt X presents, Shouts to or X Dead Matt End X. Booking presents. Yeah. And Dead End Booking. I was yeah. like, I guess, I was like, I guess I need a name. I was like, well, it's my birthday show, so I guess birthday booking. <laughs> and and it's then, just been ever since. <laughs> that's how I thought it started. Actually. That's actually pretty funny. Yeah, it just started off as a joke, and then, so that was 2019, no, not 2019, I was 19, so that was in 2013. Holy and then shit. I did like a, uh, like a house show kind of thing, like two band house show for my wife in her backyard. And then I did like another birthday show for me that the almighty macro crust played. <laughs> See, oh, that's shit. why, that's why I felt like I knew this because I remember <laughs> that was a birthday show. And then I noticed the birthday booking thing. And I was like, Oh, like, because he was just doing birthday show after birthday show. Yeah, it was just like a joke thing. I was like, oh, I want to show. I want to see my friends. I want to see the homies play. I was like, man, I haven't seen Macro Cross play yet. I haven't, uh, my boys in Catalyst, I think, play that show. I was like, I want to see them play again. I was like, all right, let me book this. I was just smart ass, like, uh, birthday booking presents. <laughs> just threw it up there. And just stuck. And then... And yeah, pretty much. And then in, I think it was 2016, I was like, all right, Matt, you are getting ready to like quit booking for the 20th time. So <laughs> let me let me try to take the reins. And I was like, oh, well, all right, let me book tours. So I booked this uh, band called Face Your Maker. And I was like, well, I actually do need a legitimate name now. I can't be like a smart ass thing. I was like, fuck it, I'm doing birthday booking. Hell yeah! That's uh, so. That's uh, that's where I came from. Just so are yeah, this like a little inside joke to myself. Strictly birthday shows, or just the name? <laughs> that's how it started off as, and then it just I was now, too lazy to think of another name. I mean, if much. you <laughs> if you think about it, every day is somebody's birthday. So right, true. There it's you go. a Checks birthday out. Yeah, So what that has been um, times? I booked a band called uh, Rig Time, and it was like the drummer's birthday that show. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. like, oh, we played with Rig Time. Works out, I guess. Yeah, I remember Rig Time. We played with Rig Time in uh, Arkansas. Arkansas, yeah. yeah, yeah. They're still they're still out here too, I believe. Oh yeah, it's all ages. All only. about the all ages yeah. show too. Yeah, <laughs> all ages only. Hell yeah! Hell Shouts yeah. to Rig Time though. All right, Seth. So, uh, what what uh, what got you into metalcore? What was your kind of start in the metalcore scene? So I'm gonna do a callback to one of y'all's episodes, your new metal episode. So I grew up listening to a lot of new metal, being the youngest yep. brother mm-hmm. of uh, two grown up. Same. So I heard, you know, the Slipknot, the Corn, but at the same time, when the 2000s came around, like you know how like new metal, like hardcore, kind of went together. Like bands like Throwdown started doing that kind of stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. So like it went from like you know like El Nino to like 
my brother started listening to like a Treyu, Throwdown, Hatebreed, because those bands would tour together. They went to like Ozfest and all those stuff. The early Warped Doors had those kind of bands. Yeah, I think Throwdown so, and Atreyu were both on Victory, actually. So yeah, go figure. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so but, uh, so yeah, it was just like growing up, just what I heard growing up. Hell yeah, it was just literally new metal metalcore. So you were you were fathered into it like most of us with our our uh, dads and older uncles and shit. Exactly. So literally, since I was four years old in 1999, I've been hearing screaming in my ear holes. <laughs> Hell yeah, <laughs> 99 is where it broke through. <laughs> That's the earliest my fan. So my memory goes back. What are what are uh, what are your some of your favorite uh, tropes? about metalcore what are your what are your favorite things that you see in metalcore um as either like here music or just in general i mean like both like you so like style of playing or like like weird fashion or just like goofy shit you see at shows like what are what are some of the favorite things that you at a metalcore show are experiencing Or, or things that you might see or that just make that just remind you why you love this scene and this kind of genre of music so much um, so the great thing about metalcore, like, it's like, yeah, you get the metal, like the heavy shit, but you get like the hardcore kids, like the two steps and like the windmills and like dog piles and stuff. <laughs> but yeah. you get the heavy of like the metal, and that's just what I've always loved. Like, I never like, you know, like all of our friends kind of like start off as metalcore kids, and then yeah. like being just a full blown hardcore kid. <laughs> I, ne- I never went that route. I always just stayed metalcore. I just, I just loved the like cringe of like some of the hot topic metalcore too it's just so like <laughs> i definitely that is good i dude, definitely feel you i definitely I'm, i think i'm right with you with that one dude yeah. the the hot topic metalcore has been rough on your boy listening to it heavy the past like week and a half dude <laughs> yeah i remember you and i were talking about it yeah. and asking messenger. alexandria like i've never realized <laughs> dude, how shitty that fucking band is all right so can, can i pause right there so yeah. my first show that's not like a concert like my first show diy venue like all the local kids are at was dead ass asking Alexandria on their wow. first headline tour in Skate High. Oh, wow. Asking Alexandria at Skate High. Dude, that's crazy. That was the one and only time I ever went to that place. And for those who don't, are from like Virginia Beach, Skate High was a sick ass indoor skate park. Mm-hmm. And we, people got fucked up. We, yeah. you, committed you, assault in all the time. <laughs> if you YouTube. Every show. There was, yeah. If you but YouTube unfortunately, skate that was the only Virginia. time I ever went Skate High. Sorry, if you YouTube uh, Skate High Virginia Beach, like you will see a Trapped Under Ice title fight, uh, Turnstile one of their first fight. shows, oh, Down yeah. to Nothing had a, had a couple like pretty big recordings Ma- there. Macro Crust, <laughs> Macro Crust. Yeah. I mean, pushing Macro Crust played track. everywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, but we're we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and kind of like probably wrap this up soon. But like real quick, like what is going on with? Do you know what's going on going on with like new metalcore? Like, are you tapped into any of uh, what's going on with metalcore these days? Like, and what do you think about that? Um, I don't know if it's just because my taste has shifted to deathcore more so nowadays. Yeah, but it seems like all them like like when we were kids, like all the cool bands, like were metalcore bands. It seems like deathcore is kind of taking that spot, like. Everybody's like either a deathcore kid or like a slam kid now. It seems like so. Like metalcore you know? is pretty much just evolved into deathcore, or even I, I, feel like... I don't know. if It's just because that's what I focus on now, and so that's just like my vision. Or like, I guess because you know, I prevail and the day to remember still sound out like arenas. You yeah, know, yeah, like yeah. Uh, who just played ODU? Was it like Bushes and White and like fucking Ice Nine Kills? So metalcore is still living. Yeah, true. What if you still assu- sell, like literally selling out? 
assume deathcore is metalcore like what is going on there i mean kind of hell that's like everything's just kind of like that beat down mosh it's just it's just heavier tuning really. so they're they're like, leaning into their tough guy shit right like now. lorna shore shit yeah y'all like, know it does cycles like it does like it'll go whiny it'll go tough so then it'll go whiny again it'll go tough again good cop bad cop vocals hell yeah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah it's because you like like early 2000s hardcore like tough straight edge new york hardcore metalcore stuff and then again like pop punky there for a little bit it was like a date member yeah, the easy, the easy, stuff. the easy core movement won't no thing, baby. Yeah, it won't, yeah, it won't yeah. nothing. I mean, <laughs> all right, Seth. So, um, do you have any shows coming up you want to plug? Do you want to plug some shit? Get it out there. Uh, when the, does this episode come out? Because it comes out a week from drop? it comes out a week from today, May 9th. All right, so I'll have a show that already passed. So fuck that show. I'm not gonna promote that one. Yeah, fuck but that show. On May. <clears throat> on May 10th, I have Bro Job Damn. coming with Falsifier. You'll come oh, out shit. tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Damn, Bro Job. And okay. the almighty Banana Slam is playing. I don't know if you guys know who that is. No, nah, I don't know who Banana yeah. Slam is, but I know who Bro Job is. All right, is. so Banana Slam is a band that dresses up like gorillas and plays <laughs> fucking Slam. What a shtick. <laughs> so that's where Melkor's at. <laughs> One of the guys from, uh, oh, what was that band? Short Bus Pileup is in the band. Oh. Uh, okay, okay. So that's what's going on in Metalcore yeah. nowadays? <laughs> that's what's going on. Yeah, oikily dokily. <laughs> yeah, oof. Oakley dokily. Dude, Seth, yeah. thank you so much for jumping on here and just uh, telling us about what's going on and shit and just uh, uh, being on the cast, dude. Thank you. Of course. Oh, can I do one more shout out real quick? Yeah, yeah for, of sure, course, for sure. Of course, please. Uh, I'm not the only one booking. We also got Kale Good pulling in the hardcore and metalcore as well over in uh, Lost Life Booking. Matt Reese kind of helped them out too. Okay, they're, okay. Like they're picking up my slack now that I'm having like a kid. So they're having like the, a kid too, but they're not slowing down. So like, like the me. spiritual successor to uh, Dead End Booking, perhaps. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> if you can't find a metalcore on my end, check out Lost Life Booking. They got metalcore over there too. Fuck yeah, dude. Cool. See oh, yeah, out here, dude. Thank you again, man, for fucking jumping on this with us, man. We'll holler at you soon. Oh, yeah. Always. Right, Anytime right, you guys want to hear my dumb voice, just give me a call. <laughs> oh, yeah, will do, man. Appreciate you, bud. Right, love, yeah, man, love all you guys. Miss all you guys. Love dude, you, man. Love you too, man. Thanks we'll for we'll come to a show soon. We'll stop being posers soon. <laughs> come to Bro Job. Best show to do it. Come to Bro Job. No promises. <laughs> no promises. Uh, I'll, I'll throw Mac across and accent prone on. I swear to God. Yo. All right. Y'all, hey, look. All right, y'all, y'all heard it. Macrocross confirmed. <laughs> hey, you confirmed that about two weeks ago, buddy. <laughs> Damn. We got to own up to that. We got to oh, own shit. up. All right, All right Seth. Take it easy, bud. Take it easy, bro. All right. Y'all too. Be safe, guys. All right. Bye. Later, man. Bye. All right. Are we back? Yeah, we're back. We're back. Uh, that was a very nice interview. All right, <laughs> fantastic. All right, so I don't remember what happened. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get into the metalcore revival. So in the late 2000s and early 2010s, many of the more commercially successful metalcore bands began to move far and farther beyond anything that resembled the genre's hardcore punk roots. With bands like Asking Alexandria, Parkway Drive, Bring Me the Horizon, and Avenged Sevenfold leaning into a sound that doesn't fa- sound too far out of place on mainstream rock radio stations, next to post-grunge butt rock and butt metal bands like Breaking Benjamin, Five Finger Death Punch, Creed, Three Doors Down, or even Nickelback, baby. So notice the only band to like go from one era to the other was Avenged Sevenfold. Yeah, they fully rode that yeah. shit. I mean, they yeah. did it pretty seamlessly. Like, mm-hmm. I got to give it to them. But, um, but yeah, there's a lot of bands that did just kind of branch off into this area. And, yeah, 
a lot of people fell off. I think so. Bring Me to the Horizon is probably the most, besides Event Sevenfold, the most successful of those to break through that. Successful and probably respected, yeah, yeah. because of they the way they have genre bended and kind of kept uh, kept their dignity. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I'll say, like you know, listening to like some of this and getting and like listening to some of these bands for the first time, I will say I don't hate Bring Me the Horizon. Uh, they definitely by this point they're kind of incorporating almost like a sort of new metal specifically sort of Linkin Park sound like yeah, a lot yeah, of their yeah. shit has like more in, uh, interesting sort of uh, like technic like computer vocals I guess but also like that sort of like hey, like that sort of screaming style that sort of has like uh, like some intonation to it you know what I mean yeah yeah, yeah and I mean and definitely asking Alexandria is definitely by this point they're full on just I yeah, guess they're just, fucking Led Zeppelin or some shit by they're, this point they're, they're doing country music I, I gotta think. say I don't like asking Alexandria they suck dude yeah <laughs> I do not like that band out of any band I've listened to in the past like two weeks like that is the band like I've legitimately just been like god fucking damn this sucks well, I don't think anybody was asking <laughs> <laughs> Alexandria might have been I'm just gonna hate on them for a minute man because like yeah some of their like their, their recording sound a lot like Five Finger Death Punch in terms of the recording like style. They have some song called like Not the American Average that just ends with them yeah. saying, you fucking bitch. Uh, <laughs> like, from America? The, the singer, yeah, and they're fucking English, so yeah. like... The singer also... Oh, which is fine. So is Big Me the Horizon and they're good. They do a shout out to the singer in the middle of the song. Like, Snot! What do they say? Like, <laughs> Danny! <laughs> Dude. Oh yeah, also one other thing, they're fucking British, bro. Well, I can't to Oi, all you American <laughs> pricks out there, this song's about some fucking smelly cunt in Essex. <laughs> For real. That's asking Alexandria, baby. <laughs> like, I fuck with cheese on toast. <laughs> Yo, nothing nothing wrong against the British. I mean, you know, I mean, you know, uh, you know, they, I mean, you bring the rice love, is good. You know and, we love the British. Oh, but... you know we love the Queen. <laughs> but I do think it's interesting, like, when you listen to, when you look at how Asking Alexandria and Bring Me the Horizon are from, like, England, I think that, like, even geographically represents how far away this is from, like, the hardcore roots. Because a lot of, like, the metalcore sound kind of came from that sort of New York, uh, sort of California, like, harder style. But yeah, at this East point... East Coast or West Coast. This like, is just some British blokes who listened to that shit and did exactly what the Beatles did <laughs> and just ripped off what was cool in America. And, again... I feel like I'm really coming down on it hard right now. <laughs> but like, I don't no, know. no, no. We're just keeping it, you know. The Beatles. Ah, it's true. I mean, yeah, we're yeah. just telling it like it is, you know. But because the like, Beatles whack, all these other bands whack. Like Payne's gonna get mad if I you like talk shit about. Oh, I, I grew up. Those. I grew up on the Beatles. Guys. I, love, I love Blackbird. There's <laughs> <laughs> a lot of the good Beatles songs. Yeah, but they have a did you watch that? Songs. <laughs> did you watch that Beatles movie that came out like three years ago? Mm. Where like the guy uh, gets hit on a bicycle? Is of course this takes place in England. He gets hit on a bicycle, cracks his head, goes to the hospital, wakes up from a coma. Oh, after the Beatles? And no, no, no. And then he wakes up in a in modern day world, but the Beatles never existed. He's the only one who And knows. so he just he performs to... their music in twenty twenty as like himself but playing the Beatles and like becomes the most famous artist in the world. First of all, none of those songs would hit now. Yeah, I call bullshit. That would never happen. Like, if you played fucking, I don't know, like, uh, Eleanor Rigby, like, right now, people would be like, turn that shit off. That sounds so corny, because it sounds like this, I would I haven't seen it, but I imagine the central theme of the movie is just, aren't the Beatles really good, guys? (laughs) I'll make a whole movie to let you know how timeless the Beatles are. Oh my god. (laughs) This guy is writing the greatest songs ever. He just knows the magical songs. John Lennon, John <laughs> Joseph, Ollie Flanagan, Ringo Starr, 
John jo- <laughs> we're going all over the book. We got Cromax next to John Lennon. <laughs> like, uh, but yeah, be- because like metalcore was kind of eclip- like was just eclipsing like you know it was getting so big. This particular scene style, there was start of a- there started to become a-, a revival in the same time period where bands were going in a few other directions, but in a way less mainstream way. So a couple modern metalcore acts that have adopted influences ranging from melodic hardcore to emo to even gent include bands like Counterparts, Architect, Spirit Box. All bands that I think were kind of related to that sort of thing, but definitely in their own lane. I, I fuck with counterparts. Like, yeah, they're, 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 cool. they're pretty good. How has no one mentioned Dance Gavin Dance? Yeah, I, I, I think yeah, I, yeah. I'll put them in this. Yeah. Mark, yeah, Mark's been talking about them a little bit. Seizing I, I mentioned them a little this. bit earlier, but yeah, they're a band that like uh, I feel like honestly has kind of come out of that scene to yeah. be their own kind of thing right now. I think that's kind of what I mean is bands that kind of went a little bit past that warp tour yeah. type of thing. Yo, they Mark, they're maybe. kind of Deftones in it right now. Yeah. Hey, Mark, hot take. It's fuck you. Hey, look me in the <laughs> look me in the eye real quick. Look me in the eye real quick. Dance Gavin Dance fucking sucks. Oh nah, I like Dance Gavin Dance. I like Dance, Dance Gavin Dance. Oh, Dance, Dance Gavin and you know Dance. what? That's fine if you don't like them. That's fine. But I, 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 I like Is it fine? I like a lot of Dance Gavin Dance. Uh, but, uh, yeah, don't really know what's going on with Metalcore nowadays. Yeah. Really. Like, haven't really been tapped in. I mean, like, Spirit Box is, it, like, yeah. the only b- band that I really know in a... They're that, pretty new. They started out in 2017. Honestly, a lot of the stuff that I've... And I haven't done much, but a lot of stuff I've looked up for as far as like this metalcore revival that's happening all sounds a little new metally to me. Yeah, for sure. But I mean, also like I mean, we got to mention how there is a sort of revival within the hardcore punk community as well. I mean, I think now a the lot metallic hardcore, the metallic hardcore in the hardcore scene, I think is getting bigger than ever. So you know, yeah, there's like a sort of modern hardcore punk resurgence with bands like Code Orange, Knocked Loose, Vane, Race Trader, and Jesus. These bands are hitting hard right yeah, now. Yeah, this is some more of that metallic hardcore coming back around. Uh, can I get an arf arf? Yo, Code Orange, didn't they? They won a Grammy, right? I think they did, or were at least like, nominated. Like that's fucking right? crazy. Like yeah. I think Code Orange is the biggest one in this, but I feel like their vet card has been kind of like their, yeah. their cards getting kind of pulled well, right now. I'm gonna be honest. I don't it's, know. What it's Code wild Orange that is doing. they're played on like WWE like <laughs> all the time. Like, they were the they're nominated for a Grammy and they dress like the Matrix when they <laughs> yeah, went there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I do remember that meme. They they are starting to kind of get a little bit of that rock star energy that feels a little bit disingenuous. By like, we're artists twenty four seven now, fueled by rock star energy. Are they like a rock star endorsed band oh, now? Damn, is Rockstar Probably. Energy? Do you think Rockstar Energy is still a drink? I haven't seen one in like years. Yeah, honestly, that'd be kind of sad if they were on Rockstar. <laughs> I'd be like, damn, y'all just on Rockstar. Damn, y'all couldn't get on Monster, bro. But it, so, they fell off. so how y'all how y'all feel about a few of these other bands? Like, I mean, I've listened to all these bands. They're fucking. It's heavy, dude. It's the I, beatdown is real in this current I've hardcore. I like what I've heard from fucking Vane and Knock Loose and Jesus Peace. I haven't heard uh, Race Trader at all. Uh, I fought with uh, Race Trader, Vane, and Jesus Peace Heavy, but I, I don't. I never really got into Code Orange, and I definitely don't fuck with Not Lose. Code Orange, like, uh, I don't know. I haven't liked their albums in a couple years, but Knock Loose, The Shade of Blue, I think it was called, was pretty good. Vane's newest album in 2022 was very good. I do really like Vane because they're definitely kind of go. They're definitely way more experimental, I think, than all these bands. A lot of these bands are great, but they're kind of just on that like how low can you get heavy as fuck type of thing. And Vane certainly is too. But Vane, I think, is doing some pretty original things. Definitely incorporating some of the weirdest side of new metal as well. 
Yeah, for sure. But uh, I personally, and look, I don't, I don't hate on them. I think we even played with Knock Loose yeah, a long yeah. time ago. We like, played with them at Hookup. Yeah, like Knock Loose is crazy because like yeah, they really scrounged through like the hardcore scene and now are pretty big. But like they even they even played when we or they're playing when we were young fest. That is the weird, that's which one is of crazy. The weirdest adds to that that festival. Yeah. I forgot about that festival for a while though. But yeah, I personally don't really fuck with Knock Loose. No hate if you like them. I know a lot of people are like, no, dude, this fucking Knock Loose or Forth. But like, I just can't. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. I cannot fuck with that band at all. It just doesn't hit. Ironically, I like the song Counting Worms. I love that. I think that's the only song I know, honestly. <laughs> Is that the only it's, it's like a minute and a half. <laughs> So also, shout out to the mathcore genre, one of the most niche uh, strands of metalcore has experienced a small resurgence with bands like the Callous Dow Boys, Gift you, From God, you. Black Matter Device, and See Space Cowboy creating a lane within the underground scene for that chaotic, technical, hardcore punk sound, which I love this shit. I mean, when we were doing Accident Prone, this was the stuff that was really starting to kind of blow up that's, during those days. That's the stuff that, like, like I know me and you, James, are kind of like, that that we loved and stuff, that kind of yeah. weird erratic type of... Uh, and, Metal-y stuff with hardcore roots. And y'all know Mathcore Index Fest, right? No. I do. They do a show, like, every year, and uh, Black Matter Device is headlining it this year. Which is crazy, because I remember playing... In Chicago. I remember, like, booking, like, like sheet, like that one really shitty small show at, like, oh, uh, God, yeah. what was it called? That that kind of shitty venue. It was kind of a cool uh, bar. Um, the Metal Bar downtown. The Poor House. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's, it's crazy. I remember, like, playing with them when they were just little boys, but look at them now. They're really leading the charge on that shit. So, shout out to that side of things. If you're into that element of things, that's what's going on in the mathcore world nowadays. Fuck yeah. Big shouts to... Love to see these 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 uh, solid yeah. bands coming up, you know. Black Matter just released a new album like a week, two weeks ago. Shout out, check them out, check out yeah. all those bands, and also shout out to Feralux. I know that now we're getting into some extra deep cuts, but you know, going in, if again, if you're listening to this for you know, if you knew our band Accident Prone, go listen to Feralux for us, please. Yeah. Great band, definitely. I think they're forerunners of a lot of this stuff. Personally, my top five metalcore bands ever, and I've listened to a lot of metalcore. And also, shout out to Victor. We actually mentioned him on the hentai episode last uh, episode. So if you want to hear a little story, go listen to that. If you want to hear about a story of oh. us and uh, Victor from uh, Was Paralux. that the incest uh, DVD? The, well, the hentai. When you put it like that, it sounds so much fucking worse. <laughs> yeah, it was some hentai bad. shit. People were like, oh, yeah, all hentai is incest. That's fine. Um, all right. So, yeah, I mean, quick shout out to, to us. You know, accident prone, also yo, doing our thing. But, yo, uh, quick shout out to yo, us. Yeah, <laughs> to bring it all around. But, like, yeah, so let's. Are, are we ready to do this, boys? Yeah, yeah, let's bring it around. Let's roundtable this thing. Let's talk about Metalcore and pass uh, our judgment upon the Metalcore. You have come before us. You've stood before these four kings. You presented yourself. Not You're that given the mosh call, and now we decide will we or will we not pick up change. And we're, <laughs> we're going to pick up change. So, Metalcore, are the good times killing us? 
Are you been uh, progressing music and and uh, culture, or have you just been a fucking dredge on society that needs to go away and does not need a revival? You know what? I'm actually gonna keep this off because I'm gonna keep it really short. I know I've been talking a lot about something I don't really feel like I know too well, and I want y'all to really have this. I just want to say no. I love a few metalcore bands. The rest of it is fine. Uh, that's it. The good times are not killing us. I think it's cool. I think it's fun. I like it. Short and sweet. James, what say you? So being in so many bands, playing with so many metalcore bands, it has so many definitions. I've sat there through so many bands, <laughs> drinking so many my $5 PBRs, <laughs> even though I'm playing at the venue. Oh, my God. Like... No, it's killing us. <laughs> Especially if you're trying to revive it today. Like, I mean, if you're trying to evolve it, sure. But if you're trying to revive that what sounds... you think metalcore is, no. You think it's over? I mean, it really depends on the era. But as far as like the late 2010s, yes, it yeah. peaked. I don't All think right. it has a place here. Damn. I, I think I, I, uh, I'm going to go ahead and piggyback off of James a little bit. And I'm going to say... Yeah, there's no need to, like, bring that back around. There's no need to try and relive that time. I personally think back on it fondly. And a lot of those bands, even though it kind of mm, got a little weird uh, towards the end, but, like, in the heyday and, like, the Poison the Well day and, like, the even shit afterwards, you know, I did bang my head to a lot of that shit. But I will say that was its time. Um, let it go. That's, you know musically we can evolve into something different we don't need to do that anymore the breakdown singy screamy good cop bad cop thing uh i'm not going to say the good times are killing us Whew. now now i'm y'all are, y'all yeah. are my, blowing my the mind first one or something? y'all are blowing my mind dude I, I i'm gonna say the good times are not killing us but I don't need to. We don't need any new like metalcore of that nature. Maybe if it changes in something different along the way, we'll see how it moves throughout the next decade or two. Because things always have a way of like repeating themselves. But to try and bring back that particular like uh, lane of metalcore, which I thought was happening, and I don't really see that honestly. I see a lot of new metal happening right now. But uh, it, mm. it it feels like to me like like trying to do disco again. Like mm. that's like that's like the time and it was a special time and like take it for what it was some people love it some people hate it but like it was a time and that's what makes it special the, you know the bg should not have been a thing <laughs> you know hey some may disagree you know but fucking uh let it yeah. burn out instead of slowly i'll fade say away. The, the good times are not killing us but i i'm i'm kind of like good on like any any more metalcore of that nature you know mm. I, I i got the shit that i loved and like as I was listening later, a lot of it, that type of shit wasn't really, never moved me again. You yeah. know, I moved in the different directions, like musically and what I like. But um, yeah, I don't hate it. I don't think it shouldn't exist. Damn, dude. Again, from the outside looking in, sort of. I mean, I know I played in a metalcore band, but this is just wild to hear y'all, the metalcore fans, just being like, look, it's of- over. It's done. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> like, that stuff really got played out. R.I.P. I mean, just like James said, man, like, metalcore. It peaked. Hot Topic ruined fucking Metalcore. Metalcore started off as, like, like punk adjacent. Like, it was super into the uh, the hardcore punk scene. It was kind of evolving a sound and kind of crossing genres. They still had a lot of that DIY attitude, a lot of, um, like, social issues and stuff brought up. And it just... 
And then it got heavier, more a little bit more commercialized, a lot heavier, more ignorant, which I, I, I vibe with. Like, it's, you know, it's whatever. But then, like, it just went straight, like, fucking mainstream, just boy band bullshit, the soft singing and shit like that. Like, that shit sucked, dude. <laughs> and now it's, like, it died. And it's now evolved, like, kind of into, like, this new metal-y, like, like, Code Orange and, like, Knock Loose. Like, those are metalcore bands. And they're they're doing their own thing. They're kind of a different wave, and I appreciate that. But like metalcore, like metalcore from like 2010 when when they peaked, like that needs to stay dead. That yeah, needs yeah. to never come back. That shit sucks. Honestly, I have no problem with like those bands touring and like people enjoying that music. Like, go pay sixty dollars to see them. Ten years later, yeah. you know, fat and not able to sing as well, Go see and the like that's road. fine. Yeah. There should be no new bands coming out that are trying to be like, oh, that, I want to sound like Pierce the Veil, or like, I'm trying to sound like Under Oath. I'm yeah, to like do that, that safety that sound. needs to die, like, yeah. and like that shit sucked. It ruined a whole genre. We literally watch metalcore lived long enough to see itself become the villain. Exactly, and yeah. mm. for that, the good times are killing me. Dude, I think, honestly, to kind of tack on to that, and maybe this is going to sound kind of elitist or whatever, but I do feel like the metalcore scene did kind of have a sort of, a kind of effect on the hardcore scene, where I feel like the hardcore scene has never really changed from that sort of influence, yeah. and that and a lot of that is good. It got a lot of people into hardcore. Well, that, but, but that's what I'm saying. Like, like metalcore has evolved. Like, it's already, it's evolved past the point of it needing to be metalcore. But like, I don't feel like hardcore is really as much about, like, the sort of message and value stuff that came with the punk rat oh, side, no. because it has shifted so far in the metal direction. Right. And I'm sure, you know, I'm not really deep into the hardcore scene anymore. There, might, there I'm sure there's a lot of people that will disagree with me, and they'll, you know, list so-and-so band that have so and so lyrics and so and so movement that they're fighting for and I'm sure there's a lot of great stuff like that but I I don't know that's just kind of the impression that I get and maybe I'm a little bit outside looking in old guy status I don't know yeah I mean metalcore it it, it like you said it evolved and then it it got stuck in one one spot it even like maybe branched out in a couple areas yeah got, like math core and stuff like that like that stuff's still living that stuff's going that's dope and shit, but like and shit like the the uh the crunk core and pop core shit that kind of you can see elements of uh, of that in hyper pop and stuff, like you know. Yeah, but, true. But like, yeah, the I legacy like, I think lives on. Exactly, the in legacy of, lives yeah. on. But metalcore, metalcore is dead, and it just just needs to stay dead. Even like Seth was saying, like he's putting on like deathcore shows all the time now. Yeah, like yeah. I think that's a fine. Like that's a, that, like like, like you're you're still wanting to do the same like technical sound and like just be heavy. Like that's cool. Like you're still doing shit. You're not just making music to sell music. Like none. No one making a Deathcore album is like, man, this is going to sell a million records. <laughs> Every single one of those bands from Warp Tour, they went into the studio like, man, this is going to sell a million records. That was their goal. Well, I'm going to bang some 17-year-olds. I'm going to bang a 17-year-old. I'm going to sell a million <laughs> yeah. records. I'm going to get fucking money and get sponsored by Monster. People like, no one's living that dream anymore. They're just like, I'm making music, and I really like heavy fucking violent shit. Mine is the, like, banging 17-year-olds. What a time to be alive, though, you know? Like, as right? far like, as yeah. hyper-pop, like, people don't care about the guitar player, the yeah. drummer. Like, yeah. And, and that, that, like, that's the thing about hyper-pop, too. Like, no, they're even, like, no one's making that shit to be famous. They're making that shit on their computer to yeah, in their bedroom. put on their Discord that happens to get leaked, and then they get a little bit of internet clout. Like, no one's doing that to make millions. And that has, like, a sort of punk rock energy yeah. that is kind of missing from, I think, a lot of this stuff. And that's, and that, of, and that's through yeah. fucking computer. It's nothing yeah. like, like the clubs of punk rock. It that's what that I'm saying. Like, metalcore just literally, to a point, just hit, like, all all aspects of punk and underground wave 
and was just commercial success. Yeah, like, it's been kind of neutered of I that need punk fucking origin. money bullshit. But you know what's cool is, you know, I think, and, that and victory on that, money. On that <laughs> kind of deathcore uh, tip and definitely on, like, slam and stuff like that, there's, there's still always going to be a lane for kids in garages to play heavy-ass music and beat the shit out of each other. That's going to be happening. It's still happening. That shit oh, yeah. is, is what it is. And that's I think that's a little bit of the sort of underground legacy of metalcore. And I think that's that's chill. Hell that probably yeah. sounds very scary to a lot of people, but in, yeah, to a lot definitely. of people, no, it's, it's a whole good. It's, it's good. a it's a whole lifestyle for a lot yeah, of people. Yeah, no, no, I, I think we all need a little. We need to keep heavy music needs to continue in some form or yeah, fashion, yeah. and it'll find the next iteration of what it is. But and we'll be fucking fifty. Yeah, but, you can uh, start with Bring Me the Horizon, but just don't stay there when you start your band because we don't need more of that. But all right, guys, there it, it is. is. Everything's on the table. We gave you the history of metalcore and what we think about it. Um, make sure you follow us on Facebook at the Good Times to Kill Us Podcast on Instagram at Good Times to Kill Us Podcast on Spaces and on the Twitter at Good underscore Times underscore Dead. You don't need to follow the TikTok. And don't worry about the TikTok, guys. Uh, yo, big special shout out to Seth Jete for uh, doing that quick little uh, interview with us. And James D, super big shout out to you again, making your third appearance on the cast. Like, uh, yeah, yeah. Other than Maddie. You're you're the forefront guest now. Which it should be said, James D does all the music for this podcast. I mean, we've yeah. we mentioned his name at the end of every episode, so you know. So, uh, do you have anything you want to shout out or plug? Uh, you know, first off, shout out Matty Ice. I know he'd be doing his thing up here in the podcast. I don't mean to step on no toes. <laughs> Maddie just like slammed a beer against the wall in Saudi Arabia. And... Dude, he'll get his hand chopped off for that chill. Yeah, 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 yeah. He better, also, he better be cool. Yeah, I did the intro. Yeah, I did the Halloween shit. Yeah, I did the metalcore shit. I, if you're fans of any of that, we got a new album. It's been out for like what has it been six or seven days now? Some went the sharks, Dom the Destroyer, and Detamine came out on the fourth. Yeah. Available on all streaming platforms for fans of Ed Gein, Daughters, <laughs> the Locusts, <laughs> like Escape Land, Asking Alexandria, <laughs> August Burns Blue, uh, fucking, you know, all that shit. From autumn to dust. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you fucked with, we we actually did like a, a listening thing with uh, Dom, James, and uh, and Dom's like first project, and we did like a live sesh here. So if you're into that type of stuff, like fucking, you'll definitely be into their new project and uh, swimming with the sharks. So definitely go check that shit out. And definitely check out the music video for Phone Booth with with uh, which I shot with the boys. You know that was a lot. That was a really fun time. Um, alrighty, y'all. So that's it. Thank you so much for listening to the Good Times of Killing Us podcast. Uh, so yeah, uh, be careful out there, but, um, I'm sorry to let y'all know. I mean, I hope y'all enjoy rocking out in rooms and, and doing, you know, new metal-y fucking Lincoln Park shit. But at the end of the day, y'all, the real meat of the metalcore scene, sorry y'all, it's just fucking... Times are killing us. Say good times are killing us.
good times are. The good times are killing us. <laughs> I think that was it.